deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world is opened up as has the Griffin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Streetcast. It's a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, ZC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, I've got to apologize for something. Um, I I say I say I am your host. That's that's my that's my go to you know formality at the beginning of the podcast, sure. right? Yeah. But I, I I I think we're on the same page here. I consider us co-hosts, right? Two two co-hosts form to to you know to combine to 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 make the podcast happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Podcast co-hosts uh, maybe yeah. the most powerful thing a person can be. Exactly. So I just. <laughs> I, I just want you to know that when I when I when I put out our, our our very good tweet about the HuffPost Harry Potter names article, I was not dunking on you when I when I put Harry Potter podcast co-host at the end. <laughs> I realized I realized like an hour after I sent that, I was like, oh no, that sounds kind of mean because I say host at the beginning, and I'm well, but I don't yeah, be- I don't. I mean, we're both hosts, right? Yeah, I, and I and I'm your host. I'm your. You it's, wouldn't say, and I'm your co-host. Maybe right. I don't, and that would be weird. Um, bro- it was separately. We are both hosts, and when we come together to record the podcast, we are co-hosts. Yeah. Um. You know, I I I guess like peek behind the curtain. I don't do a whole lot with our social media. I'm actually terrible with social media. I've had uh, maybe the most Twitter followers of all time from this podcast, and I appreciate all sixty-two of you. So, so that's great. Um, but Twitter recently kind of rolled out this new or new to me feature where it alerts people like this person hasn't tweeted in a long time. And now oh, I yeah. can't tweet anymore because I'm paralyzed at the idea <laughs> of all 62 of my followers getting that notification. Um, but so, so that's like a little, no, it just means you need to think of something really good to, to, to good to tweet. I'm, that's so much pressure. Um, but I will say that I thought about it because with the, the Ginevra tweet, I had a, I had a little bit of a nugget, which I will share with us now, which is that I think that it was revealed that Ginny's full name was Ginevra in maybe book seven or maybe book six. And the only reason I know about it is because there was, just a, f- a fan fiction upheaval because all of the fan fictions that had been written prior for some reason they all thought her name was short for virginia so they either all had to you can virginia. still find yeah i know so like you can still go back and you can find fan fictions that were written before those books came out and it'll oftentimes be virginia weasley huh so i did not my, know my that little I, bit of I, fan I, fiction trivia i was no i i was a fool and i always thought it was short for ginger because because the Weasleys, and I just thought it yeah, was a dumb joke. Yeah, I think that's joke. cute. Yeah, I, 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 I would be happy with that if that was the reveal. But anyway, I'm glad that we could get this, we could put this, this, this podcast host co-host distinction behind us, um, <laughs> and uh, and we can move on to more important things like the news. Oh, good! I can't believe there's news. There's honestly too much news this week because this past weekend was the uh was the 20th anniversary of the sorcerer's stones release in america wow um and uh everyone got in on this there are a million fucking articles and think pieces out there i saw three separate articles that are about how 
you know, Harry Potter is a guiding light in the age of Trump. I saw about 50 articles about how the author had not read Harry Potter as a kid, about 100 about how they did read Harry Potter as a kid. So just some mm. really good stuff, really interesting sure. um, stuff we hadn't really heard before, you know, um, uh, all coming out now after 20 years. People have been bottling that up. Uh, Wonderful. Whether they have or haven't read Harry Potter. Um, but there is really, really uh, important news at the top Great. here. Um, but a little more serious, you know, something that's, I think, kind of transcends the whole anniversary thing. Uh, and it's it's more of like a forward looking thing, which I, I like to look forward with the news. Absolutely. Um, and uh, the news is that there are more Crimes of Grindelwald Funko Pops coming. No! Aren't you excited? I, I can't wait. I can't wait for, for more of these these hideous little creatures to be on everyone's desks. We haven't even nabbed our 12-inch Dobby yet. We haven't. We still need to get our 12-inch Dobby. There is one at the local Target. I keep almost buying it. Um, but but you know, it's it's just like I need to meet, you know, like like a like I you know, pets, you can't just pick them up and 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 you need to think about it. You need to be prepared. It's a big responsibility and I like, you know, I I, I just don't want to to pick up a 12 inch dobby before i'm 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 ready to care for 12 inch dobby you know yeah i really respect that i i think that i think that more people could uh, have some more forward thinking uh responsibility when they pick up their their funko pop on like an impulse buy at the local target <laughs> especially because now there will be a 10 inch niffler uh <laughs> to go along with the 12 inch dobby um so i don't know what the difference is i don't know why they have like a because this is the supersized pop thing that they do. But I don't oh, know damn. why there's like a two inch difference. But, you know, maybe it makes up for it. I was really and, expecting the Niffler to potentially be cute. Like, yeah, uh, I, I feel like Funko Pops, you know, I, I do like to laugh at them. I won't apologize for that. I will make fun of Funko Pops. I also have about 10 in my house. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't like them, but they're here. <laughs> um, and and I'll say that like s- sometimes the the non human pops, as they're called, um, have have a little bit more going on, right? They're not just yeah. the base models. I have a uh, a Nico Bolas, that's a Magic the Gathering dragon character that I think is quite cute. Um, yeah. He's stand. He's standing next to another Magic: The Gathering uh, character, Jace Bellerin, who's horrific. Only in that he's <laughs> that that horrible, uh, just kind of standard a model. He's just so got I the was pop like, man face. Right. I was like, surely the Niffler can be cute, and it's not. It's very scary. I don't think it, it's cute. For for one thing, its head is like a separate piece from the body in a way that because like the thing that I think. I mean, like, not to not to like dissect the butterfly here, but like, like I think the thing that makes the Niffler cute is it looks like a platypus, kinda, and it's like a, it's like yeah. one one like kind of long, cute, fuzzy thing. This makes it look like a little goblin. Um, it's got like a huge head separate from the like platypus body, and it has the same expression on it as that like cat that everyone likes to post pictures of now where they've edited the mouth to look like kind of like a polite grimace. Um, Sure. Yeah. The straight, the straight line smiley face, right? Yeah. It looks like, it looks like nonplussed. Sure. 
I don't know. You said something pro- pro- problematic, and he's about to say that ain't it, Chief. Like he's just giving you, yeah. he's just giving you this look. Um, yeah, not into it. Especially not into the bow truckle one, though. I think that that is is much much worse. No, yeah, I think they missed the mark on that one for sure. Uh, maybe they'll do better with uh, their one chance at making a Newt Scamander uh, figure, right? We've got to have one one new Newt Scamander. Is that right? Oh, 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 um, you you are correct, except you would be more correct if you multiplied that by four. There oh, isn't four, that what I meant? Of course. There are four Newt's Commanders, uh, and they're all retailer specific. So if you would like a Newt's Commander that's holding a postcard, you can go to, I, don't, I can't read it. Some some are red, probably Target. Uh, if, you want, <laughs> if you want one holding a book, you can go to this other store that is too small for me to read that is the yellow one. Uh, if you're just a, a basic uh, poor idiot who who can't go to a special store, you just get him holding his wand. Um, and if you're a real big dick motherfucker, you can go to Walmart <laughs> and get one where his legs are coming out of the suitcase, like in the first movie. Um, and and that's that's the real shit. Is there one for Hot Topic or no? No, does the Hot, Hot Topic, Topic still do exclusives. Hot Topic does still do exclusives, but I don't know which one. I think they maybe they're getting like the. They seem like a Grindelwald store to me. I don't know. Oh um, yeah, there's also a Grindelwald, or right? A Thestral, or actually, yeah. you know what? The Thestral Pop isn't too bad. That one's a good, good monster-looking creature. I like that one a little bit. I think but... the, I think the Moon Calf is okay. The Moon Calf is good, but I think also the Moon Calf. I think it's pretty hard to fuck up a moon calf. Those are those are good. That's a fantastic beast, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Um um so yeah, so so really important stuff um um uh, the 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 hideous death march of these little plastic plastic ghouls continues and I can't wait to walk in and finally pick up both a Dobby and a Niffler that can both look at me disapprovingly from the shelf. Yeah, this is really unfortunate because I would be, you know, Im- immediately running out the door to go pick up these figures, but I spent all my money buying the complete uh, Pottery Barn uh, bedroom collection. <laughs> oh my god, I wish we had time to fully go into the Pottery Barn thing. It's so good. First of all, I'm pretty sure they only got that deal because their name's Pottery Barn. Um, uh, second of all, all of that stuff is so good. The the Hedwig beanbag, the Hedwig couch um the fox lamp that is four hundred dollars it's all it's all fucking incredible um yeah i i really i fantasize about what our like super fancy like recording studio would look like and i'm imagining having like the actor that played percy weasley on to guest star (laughs) and it's like uh please you may sit on the headwind chair oh yeah no we we make them sit on the headwig chair and we make them uh we make them tea in a in a mug that says uh muggle fucker or whatever Um, yeah yeah uh it'll be great i can't wait to have a have a recording studio um but uh unfortunately we can't spend too long on that news because i have a very pressing game for you to play at the beginning of this episode oh oh that's exciting so here's the thing. Uh, I think because it was the anniversary, um, uh, Bustle had to get a little buck wild this week. Uh, Bustle has posted, I would say, let me just count here, nearly a dozen articles this past week. Um, all That's about impressive. Harry Potter. 
And I wish we could go through all of them, but we just don't have the time because we are doing four chapters this week. Yeah, we are. Um, so I'm going to read you some headlines. We can get your you know reaction to them, but we're going to just pick one to dive into here. Um, so this is this is this is the pressure's on. You got to pick something uh, that you really want to want to get into because all of these seem incredible. I'm sure um, it'll be too tough to choose. Going to want to okay. hear all of them. All right, number one. These four new marshmallow flavors are based on Hogwarts houses, and one of them is pickle. Pickles pickle. in all caps. Oh, okay. Well, that already tells me the best thing. Next. Uh, how identifying as a Gryffindor helped me cope with my anxiety. <sighs> all right. Uh, Harry Potter is a remixed Chosen One story, and that's exactly why it's become modern myth. Is it remixed? In what way is it remixed? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, that's, next. A, that's a, maybe one to add, add, think about. Sure, it. I'm thinking about that one. Um, when I became a mom, I turned to an unexpected Harry Potter mother for inspiration. Uh, I just want to guess. Can I just guess? I, I don't. I don't want to hear the article. I just want to. Yep. Uh, let me think. Hold on. Harry Potter moms. I'm going to go with Narcissa Malfoy. No, sorry, uh, it's Molly damn. Weasley. Wait, that's reason. not unexpected. That's the that's obvious. That's the fucking that's the, obvious choice. That's, that's, that's the, the mom. mom. That is the good mom in the book. <laughs> uh, that I is outrageous. I was terrified of turning thirty, but rereading Harry Potter helped ease my fears. You know, I, I'm going to turn thirty in a couple years now, so I'm glad that I'm I'm re- I'm getting ready by by reading Harry reading Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, we might have finished uh, Order of the Phoenix by the time we turn thirty. <laughs> I just felt I just felt like a physical I just lost lost the wind. I, I can't even. <laughs> nope, that one hits a little too close to home for me. Okay. No thank you. All right. Uh 21 Harry Potter quotes to use as your Insta caption on the 20th anniversary. That's a good one, but I don't use Instagram as I as I already have talked about my social media anxiety <laughs> in this episode. Um, a Harry Potter inspired cocktail class is coming to NYC this fall. Uh, that was a gr- that was a groan of pain. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna share share with our audience my Harry Potter cocktail, which is oh. uh, <laughs> which is uh, let's see, uh, one shot of Fireball uh, and then some some cinnamon schnapps in there for more <laughs> cinnamon, and that's fire whiskey. I, so oh everyone my God. Are, can, can pause gonna, this and go make one of those. Are we going to finally make our our patented fire whiskey when we watch Prisoner of Azkaban? Is that? I yeah, I don't know. I I was going to say like I well, I want to be able to pay attention to the movie, which I think suggests that I would be really drunk. But what I'm saying is like I will get a tummy ache. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of cinnamon. <laughs> um, and then finally. Uh, final, final one here. Matthew Lewis and Tom Felton just hung out and their jokes will thrill Harry Potter fans. Who is Matthew Lewis? Remind me. That's Neville. Is that Neville? That's Neville. Oh. That's Neville and Malfoy hanging out. I don't care about actor stuff. I, I care about actor stuff only in the way that, um, I, like, Harry Potter fans don't understand what actors are. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna skip that one for now. I, I know there's one in here that piqued my interest, and I think it was the one about this being a remixed chosen a remixed story, chosen and I really, story. I really want to know what part of this is remixed, because this, to me, seems like a very 
uh, like cut and dry normal chosen story. All right. Well, you chose well because I just glanced at the first couple paragraphs of this and it's fantastic. Great. All right. My first memory of reading Harry Potter is of my babysitter, Kelsey, Chelsea, <laughs> pulling a Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone paperback out of her bag. I'd asked her mm. to read to me from the book that she was reading since she was in high school and therefore a tastemaker for first graders like me. She read me the first chapter while I stared with rapt attention at the green swooping curtain and the sallow hand peeking out from the back cover. Whose hand was that? Why were there owls acting weird? Did that cat just turn into a lady? <laughs> what was going to happen next? Almost verbatim our first episode, honestly. Um, what, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen That's next? That's going to be asked in this episode. But then Kelsey, Chelsea, in her infinite wisdom, decided that it was time for bed so she could sit on the couch and eat leftover pizza in peace. I couldn't sleep. The next morning, I informed my parents that my sole purpose in life from that moment on was to find out what happened in Chapter 2 of the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Okay, her babysitter... The babysitter only read them one chapter of, of Harry Potter. Damn. I don't think you earned that pizza, honestly. Um, no, definitely not. Soon after, the dam broke and everyone at school was reading Harry Potter and talking about Harry Potter and playing games based on Harry Potter and writing poorly spelled Harry Potter fan fiction in our marble composition journals. That's true. I was, I was hardly alone in feeling the magnetic allure of Hogwarts and cauldron cakes and adventures in the Forbidden Forest. Other kids re read the books with the very same religious fervor that I did. Oh, boy. I wouldn't even say that <laughs> Harry Potter was my very favorite book growing up. Such a claim is simply too big, too obvious, like listing North America in your street address. But the further I get from that fateful night with Kelsey Chelsea's paperback, the more in awe I am of the intimate quality Rowling's books had for us, that one elusive factor that no other kids book series has quite been able to replicate. They just felt right. Okay, I'm halfway through this article and they've that. not said They've not said anything. Yeah, no, I, I think that they are incredibly well-written books, right? Like, like, like aesthetically, you know, like, yeah, they are very captivating. Um, I'm just going to say we, we are halfway through this article and they've not said anything about chosen one stories or anything like that. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, boy, here we go. Here's some good stuff. Uh, J.K. Rowling's various inspirations for Harry Potter stories have been well documented from T.H. White to World War Two. The books aren't subtle with their anti-fascist <laughs> allegories or with Harry's thinly veiled fate as the Wizarding World's reborn messiah figure. I disagree with both of those. I don't think that the books are explicitly anti-fascist. And also, the I don't think Harry's a, a Jesus. He's not a messiah figure, really. Maybe, he, we'll, maybe we'll get there. Maybe we'll get there. I guess he does come back to life in the last one. Uh... To my great de delight as a young classics nerd, I took pride in... Okay. Get to the... Tell me. How is it remixed? How is it remixed? Where's the remix? Um, I'm not the first to point out that Harry Potter is a retelling of the monomyth, a classics hero's journey. Yeah, but where is it remixed? Rowling took the oldest story in the human psyching. And the one about the special kid, Luke Skywalker, Frodo Baggins... Uh, who enters the magical place, Narnia, Wonderland, and undergoes trials, loses their mental... Okay, again, yes, but where's the remix? Who's dropping that remix? Maybe they had a remixed a remixed copy of The Philosopher's Stone. Okay, I, this is the last paragraph. As several misquoted fantasy authors have pointed out, fairy tales don't exist to show us that dragons are real, but to show us that dragons can be defeated. Under all the fun classic 
Classic references and moody teen angst, Harry showed us that normal people working together can defeat evil, and that's a message we all need right now. Where's the remix? I, I'm starting to think these bustle headlines might be misleading. Yeah, this didn't this is this doesn't say how it's remixed, it's just t- saying how it is a, a hero's journey story. Bustle, I'm a little disappointed in you, honestly. I expected better. Yeah. I didn't. Um <laughs> understand bustle i don't know where these articles come from are these are these uh, do they just have a website and all the the writers are like contracted and they get like 12 dollars i imagine that's it right i mean i imagine it's kind of the same as like most of these like like you know very specifically talking like because there's remember there's like the fatherly one that i found that's like exactly the same but like aimed at dads yeah Uh, yeah like like i think that these ones that are just like sort of like shotgunning content at, at like this one's for women and this one's for dads and this one's for moms specifically and i'm like i think all of these are just like freelance content farms basically i don't know if you if you if if you're listening if you're a bustle writer write in and, and tell us what the hell's going on over there and uh how do we get a job writing the headlines yeah just the headlines though just the headlines all, all i care about is the headlines um uh so thank you to bustle for that 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 big disappointment i don't understand what what the remix part is there um let's talk about this modern myth how about oh the one we just read the one we just read the one we just read the one the one the one that i guess is there's a little bit of a remix if you count time travel yeah i was just gonna say we 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 did four chapters this week uh and one of them is just a remix chapter (laughs) um that is so we- true. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to do things a little bit uh, differently this week, just because of the nature of these chapters. The only difference is that I'm going to go through chapters 19 and 20 at the same time. I'll let you know when the chapter break is, but chapter 19 is is fairly long, and then chapter 20 is about three pages. I'm not clear on why there's a chapter break. I... I I don't know if it's to build tension, um, but f- like I feel like talking about them is better to just do do both at the same time. So yeah, here I go. They're not really, yeah. We have chapter 19, which is called The Servant of Voldemort. We are coming back into this. Uh, last week, Snape had just burst into the shrieking shack, uh, <laughs> which I wish um, he could sit on the Hedwig chair. Um, <laughs> and yeah. he And he is... You know, he's saying, like, I got in because I found the the, invisibility cloak and had been sitting in the corner. So so we're we're right back at it. Snape is there and he's super mad. And he explains the reason that he found them was because he went to Lupin's office to give him his his werewolf potion. But instead, he saw Lupin was missing, but the Marauder's map was open on his desk and he looked down and what did he see? He saw Sirius Black. Uh, he Snape is is like kind of taunting them. He's really happy that he found Sirius because he hates him, and he's going to turn Lupin and Sirius over to the Dementors, and he won't listen to Harry and Hermione, who are trying to convince Snape to listen to Sirius's story. He also is just like kind of like written as being a little bit like unhinged and and very happy that he he caught Sirius Black because he has has kind of ulterior motives and he also ties up Lupin and is going to also turn Lupin in and because he was 
looks like he was uh, helping Sirius. Harry tells Snape, he, he gets really mad and he tells Snape that he's just mad because Sirius pranked him in school. And then <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens. It is um, true. <laughs> and then uh, he, Hermione, and Ron all hit Snape with an Expelliarmus at the same time. And Snape is knocked out uh, unconscious for the rest of the chapter. Now it's time to find out if Scabbers is Peter Pettigrew. Ron is still is still saying no. It's Scabbers. He says he says to Sirius, "Why, why would you decide to come to get him now?" And Sirius reveals that the reason that he knew Scabbers was Peter Pettigrew and was at Hogwarts is because he saw the newspaper clipping that we saw in the beginning of this book of Ron's family in Egypt, and Scabbers is on his shoulder, and he only has one toe, so. He had to have had to be Peter Pettigrew. Harry gets really pissed at this point and accuses Sirius of making it all up and also has a little outburst where he says, you know, you killed my parents. You were their secret keeper. I I hate you. Sirius agrees and is like sad and says like, well, I didn't. I was not their secret keeper, but I might as well have killed them because I convinced James to switch secret keepers to be Peter Pettigrew because I thought that no one would expect that. And that works for some reason. And they are finally convinced and like, okay, we'll see if this is Peter Pettigrew because that'll clear it all up. Ron agrees when he hears that Lupin says like Scabbers won't be harmed if it's not Peter Pettigrew. And it is. Lupin casts the spell and, and Scabbers transforms into Peter Pettigrew, who then is begging for his life because Sirius and Lupin are going to kill him. Uh, Sirius also kind of monologues Peter Pettigrew's motivation to us. Uh, he is described and, and characterized as being someone that always uh, allies himself with the biggest, the biggest bully. And that's why he went over to Voldemort because he wants to hang around with the, the big strong kids that can protect him. And that's why he was friends with, with the Marauders. Uh, Peter does kind of try to challenge Sirius by asking how he would have escaped Azkaban if he hadn't been using dark magic. So we get the story from Sirius about how he got out because he had a dog brain and also thought he was innocent. <laughs> um, and we also get a, a little back and forth between Lupin and Sirius where they apologize to each other for thinking the other was the spy to Voldemort because it was Peter the whole time. Uh, Peter then turns and begs Ron and Hermione to save him. They both refuse. Ron is grossed out for a pretty good reason uh, and Hermione isn't interested. So Sirius and Lupin are, are, are basically turn on him with their wands out and they say like time to die. Uh, that's not what they say, but, but essentially they do. I, uh, wish. My, I mean, it's close. It's like, uh, if what Lupin says, like if you should have known if Voldemort didn't kill you, we would uh, anyway. Uh, so then Harry jumps in and stops them at the last moment and says that James wouldn't want his two best friends to be killers. And also they should turn him in because then Sirius can be free. Sirius decides that it is Harry's right to decide if Peter Pettigrew lives or dies. And they decide to all walk back to the castle together. And I think I can't remember if Lupin or Sirius floats Snape. It doesn't really matter. And that's the end of that chapter. I am going to go right into chapter 20 called The Dementor's Kiss because it is 
directly after that, they're walking up to the castle. Sirius and Harry talk, and Sirius asks Harry if he wants to come live with him because he's his godfather. Harry says, yes, that would be great. He's so happy he never has to go back to the Dursleys. And it's a very cute moment. But uh uh-oh, it's uh, unfortunately Lupin didn't take his potion, so he turns into a werewolf. And then Sirius turns into a dog to fight him. They run off. Harry and Hermione have a moment where they can run back to the castle, but when they hear a wounded dog sound, they decide not to because Harry thinks that Sirius is in trouble. They run toward the sound, and Sirius is surrounded by so many Dementors. Harry and Hermione try to fight off the Dementors, but they don't. They Harry, As Harry is like passing out from the Dementors, he looks and he sees a Patronus and someone across the lake who looks familiar, dot, dot, dot. And that's the end of the chapter. <sighs> there, there had to be a better way to do all this. That's nope. kind of where there's, that... there's no, this is the, this is the only way <laughs> actually. <laughs> this is such a mess of a chapter. Taking both of them as one chapter, I guess when, when I'm, when I'm yes, saying chapter, I, I mean both here. They're they're the, they're the same story beat, really. Um, okay, so like, first of all, everyone turns on. Like, like, there's a part of me that finds it really funny that like everyone momentarily teams up to tell Snape to fuck off, and then they go back to arguing with each other. Uh, but it's it's so weird how that all plays out. Like, yeah, yeah, we got we had a an episode break us here at the podcast, but taken in a chunk of time, this chapter and the two preceding chapters are all this farce in the Shrieking Shack. Yeah, like, it it goes on and on and on, and at it's this so and at, long, and at this point, this chapter functions to be characters saying. That can't be right. And then a long like paragraph like explanation of of well, what the solution is. Also, the the entire conflict of the last chapter was Harry not letting Sirius explain or Lupin explain. Then Snape comes and they're all like, no, dude, Snape, listen. Like listen to like like it just completely pivots to to someone else not listening to them with like zero irony, um, and then once Snape is out of the picture, Snape Snape is only here so someone can stretcher them up to the castle in the chat in this chapter after the one we're discussing. Yeah, Other I guess he's that, also there to say that Lupin didn't take his potion. Like yeah. he, he comes because that's the whole reason that he was in Lupin's office to begin with. I also think it's really funny that it necessitated Lupin having left the Marauders map on his desk open. Um, the Marauders map apparently has no sleep function. <laughs> you can't lock it. You can't uh, lock the Marauders map. Um. Yeah. So it's like Snape arrives to like say nothing really and then get knocked out in a really funny way and uh snape, snape shows up to demonstrate his his uh non-verbal bondage skills he yeah. ties, he ties up lupin uh with i think like thin snake-like cords and then he's go- he, his 
plan is that he's going to lead him up the cat like up to the dementors on a leash yeah it's very funny it's it's good it's really (laughs) something i'm so there's that and then like i guess there's a little bit of like like character about like the part that i do like is like um I appreciate like this full blown reveal that Snape really is just like a petty bastard. Like, like his motivation here being entirely based on like, like schoolboy grudges. I, I, I like this version of this. And to be clear, I don't like where his character, where they take this eventually where, when they bring in like the Lily stuff, I think is bad, but him, him just being like a, like grumpy schoolboy who like morphed into this like petty goth teacher i think is really (laughs) like like that that is a nice way to flesh him out and like sort of demystify because like he was a very mysterious character in the first two books Mm -hmm. and like like him him like this sort of like no he's not like dark and mysterious and cool he's like he's just kind of sad like i i like that I think he's dark and mysterious and cool. And so he can be all three, you know? Thank you. Um, Yeah. Uh, But, but like, I I like that. Um, But his role here is so baffling because he gets this dramatic reveal to basically just interrupt this already agonizing, like, thing where none of the characters will say anything to each other. And then like it just goes back to that it's so weird it's very anticlimactic like after his like cool big reveal um he does get owned which is really funny like 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 three kids all expelliarmusing him into a wall at once is pretty funny um but it like doesn't it like it's like this sort of like road bump in the tension that was already like wearing pretty thin in the previous chapter where it's just like, okay, one, at some point someone is going to have to let one of the other characters talk and explain, but they won't. And then Snape shows up and they're all like, let, let Sirius and Lupin explain. And then he's removed from the picture again. And then they just go right back to it. It's so weird. Yeah. It seems like kind of a reversal of what you would expect. And I say that in like, not a good way, because if you, if you are imagining characters that are, are like finally, like we've had this multi-chapter tension building of characters that won't talk to each other. They're finally getting there, right? They're finally about to sit down and talk to each other. Why would the, the, the added like catalyst of Snape bursting in the door and having some shit to say, improve things. And you know, it, it seems like it would do the opposite. It's own twist. Like it would be way scarier if, you if like we hadn't thought about lupin not drinking the potion and then he transforms when they get outside like mm-hmm. s- as a surprise and not have snape like like just say it outright like a chapter beforehand like that's really weird i think yeah yeah i i just there's there's so it, it like it's so much time is dedicated to snape here for nothing i guess i i guess like jk really wanted to get this character development into into snape into this book somehow and just decided Mm -hmm. here was the best place but like it's basically a a seinfeld bit right like characters just keep on walking into the room and like saying their it's so weird yeah 
I yeah, I think it does some some good things for Snape's character. As much as I like to think him as dark and cool and mysterious, I I do I do like all of of those moments. I like I like when Harry calls him out for just being mad that he was pranked um, in school, and I and I guess like his uh. I I think that I if I before I read this if you had asked me about about the scene I would have thought that it was less ambiguous that it ends up being about whether or not Snape like believes that Sirius is still a killer but I I do I do like what it does do which is that he's unwilling to hear anything else like I would say that even his story is pretty plausible I think that when I what I remember from reading it is that he was being petty and didn't care whether Sirius was innocent, but what mm-hmm. it ended up reading like was that there was no way for him to see anything else. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I, and so I think I like that, that. that and, and that's, and that's another interesting part too, because I think Snape is the one character in this scene where the like, he's not going to listen to anyone else thing works. I think Harry and Hermione and Lupin and Sirius all seem like relatively reasonable people who would like have at least let someone get a word in edgewise at some point. Um, even in this like tense situation, but like the last chapter was just so frustrating because everyone was just not saying things to each other. And then Snape at least seems like the kind of character who's like removed enough from all these characters, right. Who would like not listen to, you know, like not spare any time to listen to them. And, and that makes it all the weirder that he's then removed from the picture entirely, like immediately. Yeah. And I do sympathize with him in this chapter to some extent, not really the like petty schoolboy prank thing as much. And honestly, when I revisit that a little bit, it feels a little weak because it seems odd to me. I don't, Harry doesn't seem to be the kind of person or character that is so uh, like eagle eyed about someone's weakness, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And so this, the call out from harry seems a little bit of a stretch his when, needling when I is think very it's specific like, it's like really that that worked and and in that way it comes across much more as a like this isn't something harry would say or harry didn't isn't like very perceptive about people's you know weak spots it's that this is this is the audience, the reader needing to know Snape's motivation. So Harry's going to tell it to us. It's also very absurd thinking about a 13 year old, like, like grilling a like 30 something over this too. Like, like you are in school, dude. Like, like you are being, you, you are a pranker. Like, like flash has, have been pranked before. Like, it's very, very weird that Harry would like speak with that kind of like detached, authority on the subject i guess yeah like, as and, a kid. and like this whole this whole marauder stuff and then the snape origin and why he hates harry's dad i like all that stuff every time it has been presented it has been in maybe the weirdest way possible yeah yeah well i liked i liked the one in in snape's office where lupin was like pretending was, not to know what the map was that was easily the best one except that was preceded by Snape telling Harry a story for no yeah, reason. Was, yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah. 
it, yeah, telling, in like telling a, a story big... about how your dad owned me. Yes. <laughs> Why would he do that? <laughs> I mean, there is a level of comedy where it's like this unintentional part of Snape's character where he's just really, or maybe it's intentional, but it feels unintentional where he just really owns himself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he. Yes, he does the old self hoist a few times in this book. Uh, in some ways, I like. We'll get to it later. I like the stuff with him later here, um, but here in the shrieking shack scene, I'm just. I, I am now like the number one thing I always see from Harry Potter fans who like argue at the movies is that the the people who dislike the third movie point to the shrieking shack scene and go like they took out nearly everything from the shrieking shack scene. Uh, and going into it, I was like thinking about that, going like, yeah, that seems weird. Like this seems like pretty like important character development stuff and like easy to film because it's just like a bunch of people standing in a room but like the more i think about it if they had filmed this like word for word it would have been it would have just been a comedy it would have looked like an episode of friends or something right like yeah it would have been nuts yeah definitely i don't i do not think i i think it's it becomes a little bit hard to read at a few places but but seeing human people act it out it would be uh comedic i suppose i i'm i am i am able to kind of suspend my disbelief reading this and the absolutely absurd explanations and monologues that all these characters <laughs> give but in in a in a movie it would appear to be like an old-timey detective show where the detective like struts around and like his assistant asks him questions or like right. how did they do that and and he yeah. explains it and it's absurd because like that the scene where Sirius has to explain about Pettigrew's toe is uh, <laughs> I, I mean it's it's goofy I'm not even saying that I dislike it I think it's a neat callback to a great scene where Ron is you know trying to impress upon Harry how serious the serious black thing is and yeah. he says didn't you hear all they could find was Pettigrew's toe that's all that was left but after Sirius tells this story and explains that he saw the picture of the rat with the one toe and knew it was Peter Pettigrew there's a line in here um and it's and and he's explaining oh and he also explains that he's been talking to Crookshanks and Harry and so this is what it says Harry's that brain that part's <laughs> fucking insane okay, okay Harry's brain seemed to be sagging under the weight of what he was hearing it was absurd <laughs> dot dot Me dot too. and yet dot 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 like that is what that <laughs> and it's just like this moment where this just crazy story is being told to you and the narration has to be like this sounds crazy but it's true like yeah uh, i i guess i i appreciate yeah, directly calling attention to it is a lot right yeah i don't know if it's supposed to like clear up any ambiguity like to be like okay i'm supposed to believe this story i mm -hmm. thought that was pretty obvious this seems to be the conclusion of the puzzle so i wasn't so that, honestly that that line where it's like are you confused because it's all true kind of took me <laughs> out of it a little bit yeah let's i guess let's move on to to because okay just thinking in, in chunks here so snape is knocked out then it's Sirius's explanation right like that's the next thing that comes after that uh, essentially yeah so we get um we get the explanation about Crookshanks, we get the explanation about the toe, and we get the explanation 
about the secret keeper swap. Yeah. So again, there's parts of this that I think are really good. I think that the newspaper thing is great. Um, I think that that is a, a really cool callback to a couple of things. Cause one, like, like that's a newspaper clipping that Harry got at the very beginning Two, there was that line where fudge said that like, like Sirius is really crazy. He asked to see that like all he wanted from me was the paper or whatever, right? Mm-hmm, like, like, yeah. Um. Uh. And and so like I really like that connection. Yeah. That was all we needed. It feels uh, very we, satisfying. Yeah. That that's it. That that felt good in the old brain. Um. <laughs> real connecting all those ones together. What did not feel good was then the continued like multi paragraph explanation of how he saw Peter Pettigrew cut his finger off or whatever the fuck. Like, we didn't need that. We really didn't need need that part. Like, like the the mystery is solved, right? Like, like that, or or at least like the the amount of information we have is now one hundred percent. All the connections are made. We don't really need to know like the specifics of like how his fingy got got cut off, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like that I, I... that just seems odd. I didn't mind that part as much. I was a little eye rolly at at having to get an explanation for each time Sirius got into the castle and him like explicitly speaking to Crookshanks. Yeah, the Crookshanks stuff is fucking weird and will come back again in an even weirder way later in our reading here. But so we I, I, I did not realize that in this book, we did not find out that he was a Kinesel. I no, I think that's all extra. I don't even know if which, that's in any of the seven main. For some books. reason, I just thought that like I thought that part of the reveal was that like, oh, he's not a cat. He's like a crazy super cat who's real smart. But no, he's just he's the just smartest a, cat Sirius has ever met. Yeah, just <laughs> a real smart cat that, that hangs out with him, I guess, and he can talk to as a dog. That just that was all fucking weird um that i i i'm just really scratching my head over that one i guess like like how that works as part of the story and like why it's there at all there are a lot of moments in this chapter that i feel like are a preemptive strike against like a screen rant video like (laughs) or 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 whatever a cinema sins whatever and i don't know that that's the case and maybe this is just my bad, my, my bad, dumb internet brain that is so used to like uh, pointing out plot holes in every like major media franchise. But there are uh-huh. so many moments in this where it's like, oh, if you thought this was a plot hole, here's the explanation. Right. Yeah. And I don't really need an explanation to how Sirius found the passwords to get into Gryffindor Tower. Yeah, like, like I, Neville like, wrote the passwords down. He found them. He got in. Why? Yeah, I don't know why it has to go beyond that. Yeah, that part too. Or, or the the uh, why? How come Scabbers needed to like harm himself to make it look like he'd like like why couldn't that just naturally tie into the cat versus rat story that was going on? Um, like the idea that it was like oh it was actually a, a cunning trick from the rat man to put his blood on the sheets like that's just so fucking weird oh we yeah i think that i think that is maybe the craziest 
thing that I like of all three of these books so far, the Crookshanks telling Sirius that Scabbers cut himself on the sheet to fake his own death yeah. uh, might be just the most bonkers thing I've read so far. <laughs> like if I was Harry, I don't know. Like, like we we've, we've joked before about how, how like bored Harry seems with magic already after three years. Um, but like through all this explanation, like even, even with, with the prospect of learning, like what finally happened to his parents, I would just be like, um, excuse me, you, you talked to the cat, like, like you you can talk to the cat. The cat told you that the rat, uh, cut himself to fake his own death and and you and you and you talked to the cat like that i would just be like really hammering that one home like please explain um w- how do you talk to the cat uh uh what what does that entail uh why does that work well you see <laughs> like, he escaped from azkaban because of his dog brain um so in his dog brain he's clo- <laughs> closer to a cat brain but it's the smartest cat and maybe he's the smartest dog oh, when he's a dog we i haven't just... even gotten into the, the escape <laughs> story which is also fucking crazy this this chapter strikes me as like i feel like serious uh i i know he's the the narrative tells me that I'm supposed to believe him, but he reminds me of someone who's trying to tell you a lie. And so they over explain everything where it's like, I wasn't asking, but okay. And I guess this, this story like has the characters ask, right? They're basically lined. He's basically like the way I'm imagining it is he's like, standing over them like a teacher and they're all sitting around and like raising their hands, be like, how'd you get out of Azkaban without dark magic? Oh, so, my dog brain. Okay. Oh, it was sorry, my dog brain. We... <laughs> my dog brain. Yo, yo, dogs are mad dumb. Dementors can't. Dementors don't know shit about dogs. Um, can we talk about how his in his explanation, uh, he conjures up the best image in the world, which is that the one, I guess this prison is like, designed in a way where there's like no food flap or whatever so they have to open the whole goddamn door to give him food um, Wait, but it also said he slipped through the bars because he was so thin yeah so i was like which one is it dude uh, but then second of all the idea of dementor like who's cooking the food at azkaban <laughs> and who's like like are the dementors like floating around holding trays like 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 they have to open the door and then they fly in and they're like like here's your here's your soup, Sirius Black. Can I suck on your soul a little bit, buddy? Like like you, what? You know how what are they doing? Um, you know how an RPG like character creation sometimes. Uh, I guess like my best example I can have is like uh, what's that game that you can be a skeleton? Like you can pick any, and they like to take poison to heal themselves. You know the game. I can't think of what it's called. It's like an isometric IP- RPG. Maybe a skill. Oh, you're talking about Divinity 2? Yep, that's the one. So yep. I assume that in the character creation, you can go and you can pick like elf, human, lizard, person, whatever. But then there's like another option where you pick uh, like you can be a skeleton of any of those things. I promise I'm yeah. going somewhere with this. In the in the Harry Potter game character creation screen, you can be, you know, a human, a, you know, a, a dwarf or whatever, a goblin. 
but maybe Dementor is like a modifier. And so there <laughs> maybe there are like Dementor house elves. Like you're you pick house elf, but then you pick the Dementor uh Holy modifier. Shit. So in Azkaban, there's like the regular Dementors that are like hum- basic basic humans. And then in the kitchens, there are just a bunch of like soul-sucking little house elf guys. Oh my what god. What do you think of I'm that? Just picturing, I'm just picturing like like a little house elf, but like wearing like a like this big flowing black <laughs> robe waddling around holding a tray but like here's your like, pumpkin juice but i'm just, just like, <laughs> like like the the fucking like weird open mouths the dementors have just like a oh, like a no! dobby style thing walking around but it's like <sighs> so you're like <laughs> walking around with its mouth open all the time oh god i love it this is oh, my I love this, this is gonna be uh our dot like people do those funko pop mods we gotta we gotta yeah. get that 12 inch dobby and turn it into a dementor. <laughs> into a dementor oh i love it i yeah please make make a <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> that was a very long setup for that one I love it though. I hope it Thank was worth you. It. Uh-huh. Um, they should get some dog dementors in there, some ones that understand dog brain. Oh god, um, dog brain dementors. They really <laughs> need to think outside brain the box. Dementor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he has like three explanations for how you guys like, uh, they open the door, I got I got through the bars, I have a dog brain, so they can't tell. And then he swam. I guess he's just like swam the English Channel as a dog, which is pretty cool. Like that's athletic. Yeah, that's that seems pretty impressive. But you know, especially when you're so emaciated, you can slip through the bars and or door when when they come to bring you your food. Yeah, no muscles, no problem. Um, so that is all very lame, I guess. Like I I didn't need to know the specifics. Like he could have just <laughs> if he had just said like. I don't know. I'm a dog. I slipped out. Like, 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 like that would have been enough. But this like bizarre point by point explanation of how he did it exactly is so weird. Even like, like from a perspective of reading a book, if a character says like, I had to save Harry, I had, I I broke out because I knew I had to do it. I might be the first one that did it, but I had to do it. Like, narratively, that's fine. I don't care that no one else has done it. Like, that, it it doesn't matter. It's the same with, like, breaking into Hogwarts. It's like, how'd you break? It's like, I just, I had to do it. Yeah. Because that speaks to, like... the motivation's enough. Right. And in this, it's like, I understand that the characters ask these questions, but when I read it, I'm like, I didn't ask. Why are you explaining this to me? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the way, the way that the characters just keep on asking these very technical questions again i i I agree with what you were saying earlier about how like it feels like a preemptive shield against criticism of the plot and like just like like i will have the characters have the other characters explain why this all makes sense like like just very very particular like like here's every thing i could possibly think of for these characters to ask that someone might ask me about how how he got out of azkaban and it's just like it doesn't matter he he escaped he was that motivated like like that's the part that matters right is that like no one's done it before but he just you know he was so fucking he was he was so gosh darn it he just had to do it like like that that is all you need that's the part that matters not like well he was very motivated and a dog and dog brains are different from human brains 
And when the when the house elf comes to give you your lunch, they <laughs> open the door. So it's just it, too much, too much detail. Yep, I agree. Um, I and and again, like uh, this is looking ahead a little bit, but I would say like, well, it's a kids' book. Like they have to explain it to kids. Um, they afforded one fucking chapter to time travel, so I I have a hard <laughs> yeah. time. I have a hard time swallowing that like complexity argument. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. So, so that's see. one of his explanations done. Now we've got to go to his second explanation about uh, where it's 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 lecture time with Sirius. Yeah, and he's yeah. Here he's he's given us the dog lecture. Got it. And now he's now he's going to give us the the secret keeper lecture. Yeah. So I actually don't know if we have established this. Like, uh, really talked about the secret keeper thing very much no Um, so lily and james went into hiding because they found out that they voldemort was gonna kill him for some reason and so but they also i i don't even know why they thought there was a spy someone was feeding voldemort information so so james made sirius his secret keeper but sirius thought lupin was the spy for some reason so convinced james to switch the secret keeper to Peter Pettigrew because no one would expect it. Real and- <laughs> fucking genius shit. Yeah. I mean, I guess they were like 18, so maybe that seems like a really cool idea. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they would have been 18, just married with a kid. God. God. Just got I their cop badge sometimes. <laughs> just got your cop badge. Yeah, uh, yeah, the the y- y- this, but just the very concept of like, oh, you know, this very important thing where you need someone to keep a secret, like like a literal magical secret, uh, so so no one else can know it. Why don't instead of me, who we know is good, what if we give it to the guy that we all secretly hated in school? They do hate him too. I I think that honestly, like during this explanation, we get the the most eye rolly part of this chapter, which is where. Uh, Peter Pettigrew's motivation is exp- is like told to us by Sirius in yeah. the most in the most like succinct uh, summary of someone's like character possible. Uh-huh. It feels very yeah, corny I- to me because he just goes and is like, "There's no like why did you- I guess he's had time to think about it, but he he is." he summarizes Peter Pettigrew's entire life by saying like, he just wants to hang out with the bullies. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to hang out with the biggest bully on the playground, which is also kind of a weird self own as well. Like, and, and guess what? We, we sucked in school. We were huge bullies. I honestly couldn't tell if that reads that way deliberately or not. Yeah. Like, like, but that's the way, that's the way I interpret it because I guess that's something we know from later, but also the way it's said here, like, he's like, like there's like an Im- implication that like, like that's how you were when you, you, you were with us. And then after school, you, how you were hanging out with Voldemort because he was a bigger bully or something. Like, it's just a weird way to like, most people, I mean, you know, everyone, you know, anyone can be a bully. I don't think most bullies like self-identify, you know, like, sure. Like, I don't know if, like, like no one wakes up and goes, like, it's me. I'm the school bully. Um, yeah, I just, I read that a few times 
because I, I honest, honest to God have no idea if that's to, like, if it's supposed to read that way. Like, is that what he's saying? Is it's, that something I, that we are supposed to notice? I'm honestly clueless. I'd be curious about anyone else's opinions on this too, whether yeah. that, where that, that is like a sign of things to come. If that's a deliberate thing that he was saying, because I had never read it that way before. This was yeah. just this time around. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. If It's just weird. Cause like if it's intentional, it feels like a weird place for Sirius to be doing self-reflection. If it's unintentional, it makes his read of Peter Pettigrew very flimsy because he only has one example of him doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's Voldemort. So like, like either way, it just doesn't seem that, appropriate to put here in, in, in this segment yeah i mean maybe this um, is just a this, maybe this is a bad read of peter pettigrew um like on his yeah. part um yeah true i i mean peter pettigrew is an incredibly important character i i again like i'm i don't remember book seven or book six like i don't remember what happens with peter i remember what happens in the fourth book um but like Peter is a pretty like major villain that isn't isn't Voldemort. Um, so if this is like a deliberate mischaracterization of him, I don't know what the like accurate one would be, or the the more yeah. the more real one. Yeah, it's probably just on its face like that's what Peter Pettigrew is, <laughs> yeah, which is kind I, of a I, bummer. Like the, the way all these reveals are just kind of being like rapid fire shot at us here, I would not. I would not really take it any uh, any way other than face value. Like, yeah, I guess. Like, could you imagine if all these reveals were being shoved at us at the same time and also were meant to be like critically analyzed? You know, <laughs> like, like, like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess, like, to put it more succinctly, I can't tell if Sirius's um, description of Peter Pettigrew is something that J.K. Rowling is saying. You know, mm-hmm. like to us, if some if someone were to ask her about Peter Pettigrew and what he is about, if that, if that yeah. is if that is a, a from her thing or if it's a from the character Sirius Black thing. Yeah. 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 I I guess it doesn't so matter. So much of this. So much of this just feels like. No, I think it does matter because I, I, I think you're right in that, like. So much of it, like, like, like so much of this just feels like it's coming straight from J.K. Rowling as like a succinct uh nice explanation of the book's mystery right right like 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 it doesn't it doesn't feel like the characters are solving the mystery it feels like jk rowling has like arranged puppet mastered all of these characters into a room so they can explain to the reader how good the mystery was almost you know yeah yeah definitely um are we at the part where i guess peter pettigrew is going to die Okay, yeah, let's 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 move to Peter himself, I guess. Uh, um, I'm sorry, so but I hate this part. I it, I like this yeah, book. I hate this part. It's it's weird because uh, here's my main problem with it, um, and I'm I I wonder if we're on the same page here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think his dialogue and his like presentation here is really strong. Like I get a very good sense of who this character is. Yep. Like immediately. Uh I wish we had gotten this at any other part in the book before this <laughs> scene, right? Like 
like it, it he 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 appears he he grovels and then like it's a really like strong characterful moment for him where he like ping pongs between all these characters begging them in like in different ways and like oh i have a really good sense of who this character is uh and then they're just like okay cool we're gonna kill you now like it's just like 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 i wish we had gotten this so much sooner like like even if we got like like i hate to ask for flashbacks but like if we had seen him behave like this in a like less high stakes scene you know yeah i i guess i i can like imagine a world where um instead of the two and a half chapter long like are we going to listen to Sirius thing peter pettigrew could have been there the whole time yeah if this was like if this scene here was him breaking down after having more of like a facade for a few more chapters and talking that would have been great yeah because peter has his Um, own story right he's like no it was mm -hmm. serious i was trying to escape with my life on and on and on um but we've already we've already decided before we see peter that he's not that it's not true right like right yes because we get basically three chapters of serious not saying what's going on instead yeah totally um, I don't like this part because I don't like what it does to my favorite character, Lupin. I hate Lupin in this scene. Yeah, he sucks. Um, Him and Sirius both kind of suck here a lot. Yeah, Sirius is going to kill Peter. That's what he came to do. That has been on his his dog brain this whole time. <laughs> so I'm like kind of okay with that. He's He's supposed to be like, at least until... The next chapter, he's supposed to seem like a little bit unbalanced, right? So maybe he's not making the best decisions for himself. I understand that Lupin probably has a lot of like pent up feelings about all this, all this stuff. But I, I have been enjoying Lupin for the character that he has been, which is the first reasonable adult that acts appropriately around children <laughs> and uh-huh. is like, is just like a good, nice appropriate guy it's like the first role model harry has yeah and now all of a sudden he is he is going to murder peter pettigrew with with sirius black which but not through like any kind of expression of anger he's very coldly calculating in this scene in a way that doesn't feel like it's showing like another side of him or expanding it's his character but rather kind of just uh, setting up this bizarre moment where Harry gets to decide whether Peter Pettigrew will die. And it is so insane. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, like who he goes from. And I, okay. This is a thing I, 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 I've said that I've tried to avoid doing before. Right. Which is uh-huh. the, like, the armchair, like rewriter thing. Yeah. But the answer here seems so obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Sirius should not directly murder Pettigrew. Lupin should not directly murder Pettigrew, but he's a werewolf. And there should be some scene where we get like an ironic, like, like, like twist of fate or whatever, where like Pettigrew is locked in a room with Lupin in werewolf form. And like, so he does kill Peter Pettigrew, but not like in his like right mind right like like there's a way to have that happen without the clusterfuck of a scene that's about to come 
without Pettigrew escaping needlessly just so we can have a villain for a few more books uh and for lupin not to seem like a cold calculating psycho who like is about to murder someone in front of a 13 year old you know like all the pieces are there for that for some for for a better way to do this and and instead we get this really bizarre turn for his character yeah and it just it just feels like it's the setup for Harry's for Pettigrew's like life debt to Harry for him to just act wildly different. Um, Which is a dumb concept, a like a staggeringly dumb thing. I mean, like, God, we can't we can't really talk about that yet because that comes in the very end. But like like that is just a colossal ass pull, I feel like, like to make the end of this book satisfying um yeah because the because everything that happens here is so fucking frustrating because like i i'm not even saying that like Pettigrew shouldn't die or like that i that i don't want lupin or sirius to kill him it's just like the way this specific scene has been constructed where like the kids are there makes like like it reflects very poorly on their characters in a way i don't think it should where it's like like you know it doesn't feel intentional it doesn't feel like um you know like like something that fits at all with with either lupin or sirius honestly uh for them to just like defer to a child on whether or not they're gonna kill someone who they just met like i I think the moment that i was taken out of it was when they were about to kill Pettigrew. um Lupin, I have to, I have to find the actual line because I, I think that I got pretty close when I was doing my summary. But it's, it is Lupin, and he's being, you know, very cold and very, like I'm going to kill you all of a sudden, which is like, again, it doesn't feel like a different side of him. <laughs> uh-huh. and yeah, so, no, it just, it just, he's just like doing it in his like nice teacher voice still, and not in a way where it's like, oh, like like he's just like cold or anything it's just like this just seems like hastily written yeah okay so here it is uh black and lupin stood shoulder to shoulder wands raised you should have realized said lupin quietly if voldemort didn't kill you we would goodbye peter (laughs) it's the goodbye peter yeah it's like he gets you know how i said earlier that i wished lupin had a one-liner when he came into the room now i I got that like monkey's paw curling right like i got my wish and it sucks like he he like goodbye peter so this is holy shit this is the part that kills me because if this line hadn't been in the middle here i might have glossed over this a little bit more because the way Harry stops them, he says, no, Harry yelled. He ran forward, placing himself in front of Pettigrew, facing the wands. But before that, and after Lupin says his goodbye, Peter, Hermione covered her face with her hands and turned to the wall. This is a 13-year-old child who is hiding her face because a a hu- like they're going to kill him just in front of these three kids. Is this? Yeah. Is this? That's the part. That's the part that I think is crazy. Like, I, again... I I think I fall honestly on the side of like I I wish they had or like or I wish they had killed him or someone had because I think that leaving him alive is ultimately a really dumb part of this story but the way that this scene is constructed where like they're just going to do it in front of like a bunch of kids 
because they're like that bloodthirsty, I guess, and not because they have like a, you know, moral, they feel like they have like a moral obligation to do so. It's just so fucking weird, right? Yeah. It, it, like they lose uh, all sense of, 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 I don't I'm know. okay with it's, Sirius just because we don't know him at all. And yeah, uh, and that's Lupin, all well and good. Um, Lupin, it's, I just feel like it's a, a huge disservice to his character. Also, they're like, they're in a, it's not like they're, it's not like they're trapped in there anymore, really. Like Snape's out cold. Like, like if they were going to do it, couldn't they have just like had them grimly go like, okay, like you guys need to go now. Like, like we're not now, now, now it's adult time and we're going to solve this. Like, why do they, why do they even have to be there still? Like, I don't know. It, it's, it's just, and I it's don't so think it's, su- I don't think it's supposed to come off as weird because immediately after right, that's yeah. Harry, Harry, and if if this was like played straight and this was like a weird fucked up thing they did, I would be like way more into it, I guess. Sure. Yeah. If um, this was intentional, if this was like like Harry realizing that once again, like it's like, oh, adults is, are, they're fucked adults up. Adults really are all psycho. Like, like that would be fine. Yeah. But that's not what's going on here. No. And, and just a weird part. And just a weird part where they like defer to Harry very some Like, like it's your it's choice. Your, why? Like, <laughs> I, what? I did not know that Harry was the arbiter of life and death. Um, but also, why? Uh, on, to the flip side of this, why does Harry care? Um, all of a sudden, like, Harry he was, was going to kill to Sirius in two, like two chapters ago. Harry was ready to do a murder, and, like, the the thing to me that, that is bizarre here is, like, if you track the things that are happening with Harry in these chapters, I feel like the arc, again, I hate to say should, but, like, should have been, like, okay, Harry wants to kill someone, realize he's not equipped to, but sympathizes with these characters who have, like, a similar, like, if not the same motivation as him who've like chewed on it for like 20 years right like uh i and i don't know why all of a sudden like where did his change of heart come from in that in that part of it like other than that like like unless it was him going like realizing like oh like i don't want to see someone die which would be completely reasonable but like we don't get that like like we get that no. from Hermione but not we, Harry yeah we get almost um, nothing like it, it's not as if like he if is realizing just... the reality like he's not like oh I was just I was just messing around but now that these adults are going to do violence in front of me I you know yeah I like object. him realizing the gravity of the situation or something that would make sense but it, 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 it no instead it comes down to this like and I guess it, uh, I like I, I I can't keep using this excuse for these books, but like I guess it is a kids book, and like kids books are always going to default to like the most basic morals possible. But it, it just comes down to like a like no, you shouldn't. I don't want him to die. He well, doesn't deserve it. Well, Which, yeah, and his also his his whole thing where it's like James wouldn't have wanted you to be killers. Uh, it feels weird because it reminds me of the scene where where Hermione tries to tell Harry, like, your parents wouldn't want you to do that. And he says, well, my parents are dead. Fuck you. Yeah. Which I guess, like, it, it presents some, some nice symmetry when you when you think about it, because it's showing Harry has learned in a way, but we see no 
it feels a little bit cheap because we don't understand why or what made him learn. It's just like, he oh, yeah. didn't know then, I, but now he knows. And also, I honestly think, and and this will this will come up again because this happens several times in the in this reading. But like that also absolves Hermione for that really shitty thing she said. Honestly, like, yeah, like, Harry <laughs> Harry just like agrees with that now, which is fucking bizarre. Like, like how would he know? Why would he think that? Do, like, does he really know that? Like, like to me, it seems like the the way better take here would just be for him to be like realize that he is not like mentally equipped for this not like taking a like weird absolutist moral stance all of a sudden that he's never had before yeah it's yeah i i it's it's all very strange like like lupin and snape and i guess especially lupin like are behaving completely out of character or excuse me serious not snape snape is asleep that's very in character um uh but like lupin's behaving out of character and bizarre and harry has just had this sudden change of heart for no discernible reason and like like i just i feel like there was a, a much cooler way to handle this i guess you know yeah it feels pretty disappointing and we go from this chapter into chapter 20, which we talked about, into the scene where Harry is going to go live with Sirius, which I think is a really touching scene, but it's it's made to almost, it's, it's makes me feel like the last, the way they were acting is looked at so uncritically that Sirius yeah. can just transform into the benevolent godfather that he wants to yeah. go live with that wasn't about to murder someone. Yeah. Like, yeah, that. I, yeah, I, I just don't know with these chapters. Like, like. I think I like nothing... them zoomed out. Like, I like I mean, some I, of the things that happen. Yeah. Like, I like. I like, I like benevolent serious obviously like he's he's really great and i think that scene is very good um between him and harry but like the fact that it just jumps from that after he was like like ready to just like kill a dude like like in front of of children is just like th there needed to be something in the middle there you know like yeah like something like we need we needed to see another side of him before we got like the fully uh like nice godfather routine like that that's just such a weird transition i would have really liked to see and i and i guess I, I now i'm doing it is my my rewrite which is i would like to see lupin be at least on the side of talking serious off the ledge of killing peter pettigrew because the entire point of um you know i guess bringing peter up to the castle is because then Sirius will be free. And so some some level of like, I, you know, they were friends and Sirius was lost for 12 years and like he should be free and in their lives again instead of just killing someone and going back to yeah. prison. Um, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And then, and then in that way, Sirius being talked out of it or like, or deciding to, to, 
like rejoin his friend and and family in Harry makes this scene make a lot more sense, right? The like, okay, yeah, I'll were, be if, your godfather instead if of those killing were the this two guy. Things he was, if that was like the angel and devil on his shoulder thing, right? Like the you can you can get revenge or you can like live with your godson, you know, like that would that that would work great, I think. Yeah. Um uh, as, a, as a way to like soften him in these scenes but it, it, it like we just don't get that no it just that, it like, just immediately step. goes into this and 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 it feels like the whole thing is just to set up this life debt which i don't understand the point of it's, but okay no well, we we can't get matter. to that no it's, i know i, I, I know. have a life debt rant about this i have i have a i have my i don't remember feelings what the, about peter and the life i don't debt remember shit. what the life i don't know what the conclusion is so i don't even know if i can say anything about it but anyway lupin didn't take his potion so he is transforming into a wolf man sorry can we sorry we, i we have to address one thing before okay, we get to this okay. part it is the the way that the like procession of characters and like how all of them are moving in formation is described here it is, is so funny to me it's endlessly because it takes described like a, it takes like a page to fully okay so so snape is dangling uh ron is being carried uh and like but it like it like goes into such like crazy detail about it i was thinking like okay i'm gonna need to remember this like okay. i need to remember the order that <laughs> characters are walking because it's gonna it's gonna come come up uh but no so okay so so peter Pettigrew is shackled he's shackled to both ron and lupin and they're described as looking like a weird six-legged race which is quite a vivid description uh <laughs> and like Sirius is standing to the side of them pointing his wand at Peter Pettigrew because I, this is another little like plot hole thing where one of the characters says if you turn into a rat you'll die is that okay Harry and Harry nods because you know you fucking know like cinema sins like why didn't Peter Pettigrew just turn into a rat uh-huh. um so that <laughs> so don't worry that one's been addressed ahead of time and it's that, and Harry, like that Harry has given permission Harry, Harry is like you know against seeing someone die unless uh, if he tries to escape, fucking kill him, pull the trigger, fucking shoot him. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it goes into excruciating detail of like how this is all. Uh, they're walking along, and it doesn't matter at all. Um, also, the the weird detail of Ron taking it as like a personal offense that Peter was scabbers. And I'm not saying that's, I mean, that makes sense to me, but it definitely goes to point it out because otherwise Peter Pettigrew being scabbers doesn't matter at all. So it's like kind of worked in, in this kind of funny way about Ron being upset. Um, It's just such a really funny description that goes on for a very long time that is immediately broken as soon as they get outside. Just the the way that it was described, I was thinking like, Oh, is there going to be like, when they time travel, are they gonna have to remember the order very specifically or something? But no, there's nothing like that. It's like yeah. Um, so I guess like the, also during the like, will you come and live with me? I'm your godfather. Conversation. The comedy that's added to that is like Snape hitting the like his head on the tunnel and like his yes. his and it's very grotesque. Like he's described as like his chin is bumping on his chest because Sirius isn't trying to float him very well. And in uh-huh. the, and and it's in that moment where I think it's I, in the middle. I think yeah, it's it's like this touching me. moment. And and again, I had that I had when I was reading it, I was like, am I supposed to think this is cool? Like, am I like, damn? 
Harry's going to go live with Sirius and he's cool. And also he's, he's being mean to Snape, which I'm into. He's giving Snape a concussion on the way out the door. Yeah. Just very, it's a lot. Like it's a, it's a like little weird. really piling it on Snape here. Yeah. Lupin's a werewolf. Lupin's a werewolf. He has not taken his potion. He's not had a sip. Yeah. He uh, ha- has acted in... I-, I definitely don't mind that he forgot to take his potion, but combined with his going to murder Peter Pettigrew thing, I'm like, I don't know Lupin in these chapters. He's there. His name is there. But I'm like, I don't... <laughs> I don't understand this so he turns into a werewolf and it doesn't really matter beyond what it does for the plot i don't think that that peter pettigrew he gets away when they're all distracted um and the dementors are there uh-oh 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 that's the why dementors I, are there that's why i folded this hey. chapter into into two because there's just nothing happens in this chapter the- the the that entire chapter is just the dementors are there i don't know why it isn't just the end of the previous chapter yeah um they're there they're spooky they're 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 gonna give harry the brain suck we get the we get the gross description actually i i was i i'm i'm being dismissive here but i actually do think that this is quite a cool moment like the, yeah. the description of all the dementors is very frightening and like the the vivid de- like depiction of their what their faces look like is really scary and cool like this is this is a cool moment i just don't know why it's its own chapter you know yeah um, I, and I also, I also really like, except for the actual conclusion of it, which we will get to in our next chapter. Um, I, I do like that Harry looks across the lake and sees someone familiar that like hint that it could be his dad because we've just learned a lot about, about them. So I, I do like that. Other yeah. than that, do you want me to go into chapter 21? Should probably move it along here. Yeah, should we take a break here? And yeah, then, actually, and that then, sounds and great. And then come back to, to polish off the other two. Sounds good. All right. Welcome back. It is time to travel through time. Ooh, I like are, that. Are you ready? I'm I wouldn't say ready. Um, but I've got a lot to say about what happens in the next chapter of this book because Okay. Ooh-wee. Well, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to say before I go into what happens in this chapter, I'm not going to try to explain time travel. I'm also not going to go through each individual instance of the puzzle that they're solving. Like there are, there's a lot in this chapter where it's like they're waiting and watching themselves from the past do stuff. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Right. Uh, I I will. It's, it's not going to happen. So I'm going to try to go through, um, the important things that happen in this chapter and we can kind of go back and talk about how time travel works in this universe. And then we, we, you know, I, I believe our, our listeners are, are very intelligent and can fill in the blanks of, of, uh, of how this all plays out. Absolutely. 
So Harry wakes up in the hospital wing. He had passed out for the Dementors and he overhears Snape is getting the order of Merlin for turning in Sirius and is being very smug. And I think we're supposed to hate Snape here. He's just being a, being a real jerk. And he's talking to the minister of magic. Harry wakes up and, and tries to argue with the minister and tries to kind of explain Sirius's story, but he is dismissed and Snape says something like, oh yeah, they were all confunded. They don't know what's going on. It turns out like the Dementors are going to be there any minute and they're going to go up and they're going to to give Sirius the Dementors kiss. Dumbledore shows up and he talks to Harry and Hermione privately and he believes their story, but no one else is going to because he, he says like, why would they listen to 13 year olds? Because Snape was there. Very, very trustworthy guy. Um, then Dumbledore gives them a riddle. He says, and I quote, what we need is more time Sirius is locked in professor flitwick's office on the seventh floor 13th window from the right of the west tower if all goes well you will be able to save more than one innocent life tonight so this is the part where the hermione mystery is solved turns out she's been traveling through time all this time to get to all of her classes Hermione knows and, and says, Harry, hang on. And she brings them back three hours, I think. Um, and then once they're back in time, they, they hide because they can't be seen. It's like the most important thing is they can't be seen by anyone in the past. And uh, except for Sirius. And um, Hermione says, like, I don't understand what he wants us to do. I know he wants us to go into the past. Harry miraculously solves the riddle and says, I know what we have to do. We have to go release Buckbeak. And then we have to, like, in a very short window of time, because we can't make them think that Hagrid let Buckbeak go. And then after that, they have to go back to the castle. Once Sirius is there uh, in, in the in the tower, and they have to fly Buckbeak up to the window and rescue Sirius and let him fly away on Buckbeak. Here are some things that happen when they do that, because they do they do all of that successfully. Hermione explains the dangers of time travel. So you can't you can't be seen, you can't go and talk to your past self, you're not allowed to do any time travel, uh, and disastrous things can happen if you try to do anything that isn't just like trivial. They wait a really long time after they rescue Buckbeak and Hermione has to convince Harry a few times over the course of their waiting and watching themselves to not try to change things in a different way. Harry has a few different ideas like what if I take the invisibility cloak uh, away from the Whomping Willow and Snape can't get in, uh, those sorts of things. Or like what if I go get Scabbers and kill him or, or whatever. Um, Hermione says, no, no, you can't do that. Uh, so they end up rescuing Buckbeak and also Hermione asks him how they got away from the Dementors and Harry says, I don't know. And he's being a little bit cagey, but eventually he admits that he thinks he saw his dad across the lake casting, uh, Patronus and Hermione says, wait, your dad's dead. And he's like, I know, but in the back of his mind, he's still thinking like, well, they thought Peter Pettigrew was dead. He's a little uncertain. Um, and then when they are watching themselves be attacked by Dementors, Harry runs out and he was the one that cast the Patronus all the time, all like the whole time. And he could do it because he already knew he could. And that's also kind of the reveal that his Patronus is, is the stag. And that is, you know, his dad was called prongs because he was a stag. They rescue Sirius 
successfully, and he flies away on Buckbeak. That is what happens in this chapter. And I'm sticking to it. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. This is one chapter. All of this has to happen in one chapter. Yep. Uh, We got three chapters of people standing around in a room not really saying anything. But this is one chapter. Just some time travel right here at the end. Just a little okay. a little side quest for Harry and Hermione where they travel through time. Um, so I guess it's important to like establish the way time travel works in at least this book. I can't speak to Cursed Child. Is this is not like a multiple timeline sort of setup here. This is a a closed loop. You go back, but what you have done has already been done because you did it in the past, right? I. Oh, do we want to get into this now? Shall we? Shall we? Shall we dig into into this now? Because this this is let's uh, do it. Yeah. Okay. So they. It's it's difficult to know where to begin here because okay. So Dumbledore tells them they need to go back and change a thing. Sure. Um. But all the things that happened because they changed that thing have already happened except Sirius escaping. Um well but so it would it was going to happen. It it's was one timeline. Yeah, so it was <laughs> going to happen. so <laughs> this, this this is why this I, I mean I I like time travel stories. Me too. I'm just yeah, gonna I'm put not... that I think they're really fun. Um I think that this is definitely like the inferior model of time travel. Like I don't, because it, it doesn't. It's it's much more likely to take you out of it because it doesn't. It almost like removes its own stakes. I guess. Yeah, I think that's the part. Because like, I'm I'm not really a stickler for like which version of time travel I like best. It's more like what the story, what what a story can do with time travel. There's a mm-hmm. lot of cool things you can do with it. Um, the problem is that here the model of time travel they're using is so absurd immediately that that's all I can think of because if it's a, cause it's a single timeline where they need to go back and fix stuff, but they have already gone back and fixed stuff. So the only two reads of it are either they didn't need to do it in the first place because it's already happened or there are no stakes because we've seen that it already happens and so therefore us learning about it happening is boring and pointless because it happened. Right, like all these moments where where Harry wants to go and kill Scabbers or go and grab the invisibility cloak, we know that that can't have ha- like there's no there's no tension there because it can't have happened because it didn't. Right? Yeah, because we didn't see because we didn't see it happening in the previous chapter. I feel Um, like this is all in service of the cutesy line where Harry says that he knew he could do it because he'd already done it, which is maybe the dumbest thing that I've ever read in my life. I hate that fucking line. It's so (laughs) stupid because he could because because that what because what does that mean? Because then he could have done it the first time because they were doing it at the same time. So what the fuck? (laughs) Like like what are you talking about? Um. It's frustrating because every other idea that Harry has about what to do with time travel is more interesting than what they actually do with time travel, which is sit in a bush for three hours. Um, 
Yeah. I like guess that, every... okay, what does time travel do for this story? Can, you have to you have to think of something. Does uh, it definitely does something, right? <laughs> it I think it was good for the Hermione character arc. Yeah. Uh I, yeah, I think I think it says something about her. Um Yeah. I, I think it's a bummer that like her being it, it doesn't feel very her whole thing doesn't seem very resolved. It just is like Oh, we ha- we have to time travel, and I do that. Um, because yeah. this whole this whole time, it's like she's been acting weird and mean and kind of bad because she's been all strung out going back in time. But it feels like there's no real like it doesn't matter because it's just Hermione like Hermione well, doesn't learn anything in this book. I, she does give up her classes. That oh she, her, yeah, like, she gives up ones. one class yeah. Um, yeah, I I'm struggling to think about like what the time travel angle does for this part. And also like if what what would have happened if in the in in the hospital wing when Dumbledore was like, "Okay, you got to oh, we got to we need more time and you can save more than one isn't <laughs> life tonight." Because all that stuff has clearly already happened because of the way that the time travel in this book works, I'm already going cross-eyed thinking about this. What if Harry had just said no? Like he's like, no, fuck, oh, if you don't do it, Harry, like the whole world is gonna fall apart. I'm melting. It's gonna be like Back to the Future. I'm gonna fade from the photograph. Like what? What is what? Everything. What the problem with this chapter is it like what it says about like the nature of fate versus free will in this universe is is that everything is faded right like completely yes um it's all it's all predetermined for sure which is a absolutely bonkers thing to set up in book three of seven like to answer the question that is usually a question that like drives entire like a question that has driven religions for millennia uh fate versus free will uh just answered here because we got to go back and save a bird horse i i like it you like it i do okay okay. (laughs) what uh, so here's the thing i i don't i don't i i don't dislike the fact that that they time travel i just i'm just baffled by the specifics of the time travel you know okay here's what i think yeah tell i want to know i think this I think this chapter is the boldest choice that she makes in the entirety of these seven books. I think it is incredible that this like very straightforward, like, oh, there's a killer after Harry, but it turns out it's his godfather and he and blah, blah, blah. And then we get all like the backstory of, of his, his parents and all of this. It's like, what if that book just ended with one chapter where they travel in time? But like the, the, but the like the whole thing, the whole thing is just set up as a joke about time travel. I firmly believe that. I don't. I think that I. I think that this is like l- literally just lampshading time travel this entire time. Why? Like, does this chapter need to exist? Does this chapter matter at all? No. Like, <laughs> but it's just so. It's just, it's good. She certainly went there, uh, like went for it with it. It's just like, 
I don't know. I can feel my brain. You know that part where Harry was saying his brain felt heavy and was falling out of his ears that we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier? That's me right now thinking about about this chapter and like what did or didn't need to happen. Like, like hmm, as, as like commentary on or like a joke about time travel. Like, I guess I guess I think that at this point in the books, magic I think Harry, I, I will say, I think Harry Potter magic is really boring. Um, we're yes. already, we're already shorthand in the magic to be a stand-in for a gun. Like mm-hmm. literally on that march where they go back to the castle, there <laughs> yeah. are so many lines where it's like, oh, the wand was pointed at Peter's chest. It's like, that's, I mean, that's, that's a gun, right? Like that, that is the, at where we are with magic. Um I even have a little bit of like fatigue from the characters being so bored with magic. I have yeah. fatigue from Hermione, like being frustrated with divination in a world where like Sirius escaped because of his dog brain and then talked to a cat. Uh-huh. Like, I, I, like I, I think, I think that the magic in Harry Potter is really boring. I think that that honestly is where I feel most alienated from like, the Harry Potter fandom is mm-hmm. the like uh, J.K. Rowling has introduced us to this beautiful magical world where like all of this and the magic is so like rich and, and I'm like no it's not it's so boring. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I really like the idea of these time turners that can take you back in time for one to three hours and and this is something I thought that was like a little bit retconned but it actually seems pretty like written in here that. That wizards, you know, they can they can do they can go back in time, but they can only do it to do the most trivial things like take an extra class. And and I and I don't I'm not saying that I think this chapter was like very even very well executed. Right. But I think I think the joke is worth it. Honestly, it it has a little bit of texture. um, It makes it it's like a joke about time travel but it is also a little bit a joke about wizards in a way and like the magic that exists in this universe that i kind of like i i i can i can definitely see that and i think that that's kind of where i'm at with appreciating it too like the stuff that i like about this chapter is like how mundane hermione makes it sound like how 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 bored or not bored, but how matter of fact Hermione sounds talking about having a portable time travel device, right? Like mm-hmm. like she's just like, oh yeah, I filled out some forms, I got it from the t-. like like that part is very funny. Like bureaucratized time travel thing is mm-hmm. is very funny. I think the part the part where it's a chapter in this book isn't the problem. It's the fact that the series then keeps going and basically ignores this forever i think that's the i think that's the best thing about it is because it's like it's like it's like maybe the most magical like incredible thing and it literally doesn't matter to anything else that happens (laughs) i could see that yeah like it's just because it is like the most outlandish thing magically they've done i guess I don't think the actual like puzzle that they're solving is very good, right? And I actually no. think this chapter is for the most part pretty boring. I'm very I'm like that, that's I can't believe where I'm coming from. I can't believe how much time huh, time that they hey. spend just waiting around. Yeah, that's that's the part I think that's where I'm coming from on this chapter is that like they're they're handed the potentially coolest storytelling technique possible 
and they go sit in a bush for a couple hours. It doesn't feel like it's a it's a commentary on like the wizard world so much as like it feels like a a very tepid safe foray into a complicated storytelling thing. But I can also see that also being intentional and like part of the joke that you're talking about, right? Like Yeah, we you have could a, travel back through time to sit in a bush. Yeah, yeah. Like because from that angle I can I almost I'm kind of coming around on it, I guess. I, I I will say that, like, I think it does fall flat in a lot of places and in a lot of, like, frustrating things because I, like, the big point that's hammered home over and over again is how much, like, Hermione says, like, oh, you can't do X because you can't be seen. It's too important. Um, Nothing that Harry's suggesting is any more impactful than their yeah. the plan that they're going to do. And, all like, the one I always, I was thinking of was, like, reminding lupin to take his potion seems like a good one right like yeah i mean they see and talk to sirius black yeah they do so uh, so it's not like they can't talk to anyone if they just like caught lupin in the hall and were like hey buddy like don't forget to to take a sip or whatever like like yeah i mean like he'd be like what the fuck but also he'd probably do it yeah yeah i mean but it can't happen because but it can't because it hasn't because it because that's not what happens and so they have to ah like like that's yeah like like it's it's hard to talk about it's hard to talk about because the the obviously what they can do is very rigid because that's the way it's written and so asking for them to do anything different is pointless because the story is written in a way where they literally could not but at the same time it like keeps drawing attention to that fact with Harry wanting to go do other stuff and Hermione telling him no, that it's hard not to. Right. And at no, at no time that does Hermione say like, no, you can't do that because that's not what happened. There's, there's a part that I really like it, ironically in the part in the bush when in the part that, you know, I, I otherwise think is fairly boring, but like the part where they're in the bush and they're watching themselves get beat up by the tree and Harry's just like, this is kind of weird. Like, like this, that if there was like more kind of self-aware stuff like that, I think it would be, it would have worked a lot better for me as a chapter, you know? Yes. I, I don't think I, I stand by it. I do like it. Um, I think the chapter is a little bit boring, but I just, I just gotta give it some credit for doing I, something weird i think i agree i at least agree with you on like the i like the time turner and what it does specifically here in a way um Mm -hmm. for what it says about hermione and for what it does what it allows um like the, the i guess with like the the mystery with the patronus stuff i think is good um it's it's more like the implications that it carries forward for the story in a way that I don't think is intentional is just really difficult to come to grips with. I think Um, about fate. Well, like, so like fate and, but also like, like, like I, I, I like the read you have of it of like, like wizards have the most incredible, Thing in the world like like they have time travel and all they do with it is like like 
go back and do more work with it you know like mm-hmm. like i think that's a really funny concept mm-hmm. uh but i like it never because i don't know if the rest of the series is really that clever and it's like lampooning of like you know bureaucracy or 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 like work culture and and stuff you know like well yeah it seems especially confused about most of the things it's saying i actually was really struck by uh what it tries to say about the government in these chapters because i it's really having it both ways Mm -hmm. when it is like supposed to look like a buffoonish like bureaucracy that is ineffective and that it can't get anything done and that happens more where i can almost read it as like a uh like a the the reason that Voldemort rises to power is because of the like inefficacy of a capital L liberal government. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how you can have that at the same time as the government that's literally having Sirius executed without a trial. Uh huh. Yeah. Like there that, in front of us, and he also I went. To, he also more... went to Azkaban without a trial. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's more the, the like the that's the stuff that's bothering me. I'm not bothered by the presence of time travel in the story or like the concept of the time turner. I'm confused by what the what it's trying to say was or or like what it's trying to do for the story other than tie up a couple loose ends um for the mystery. Uh I think the the part that i both like the most but also think is served poorly by being in one chapter is the um the reveal with the dementor stuff and the patronus i think that's such a strong cool moment um but it is it is fixing it or you know it's it's solving a mystery that has only been a mystery for like a few pages at that point mm-hmm. and and I almost wish, like, this is a thing that the Harry Potter series doesn't do. Actually, it does do, but it 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 doesn't start doing until the next book that we're reading. <laughs> we get the Frank chapter. Sure. Um, but telling stuff out of order. Um, uh-huh. I almost wish that, like, like this, this time travel chapter or, like, just this specific scene with the Dementors on the lake had happened, like, at the beginning of the book, almost. And then we caught up to that scene. Oh yeah, that would have been cool. I think the Frank chapter is in order, though. Is it in order? I think oh, it might so. Be. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's right. I always think that like the Frank chapter is like after Voldemort has like gotten his body back, but I think he's. I think you're right. I think he's being carried like a baby or something in that chapter. <laughs> um. Uh. But like, if if we'd had a chance to like sit with and like like think about the mystery of like who could it have been at the other side of the lake for like the whole book or something, that could have been really cool. Yeah, and especially because I think that that um the side of it, the emotional side of it, which is where Harry has a a small spark of hope that it was his dad, mm-hmm. um, could have been a lot better served in the rest of the book because we we are getting that theme of like. Um, of Harry thinking that something might be possible because he's coming to terms with living in a magical world, but that he also has to keep it to himself because, uh, like, the other people in the world are more, you know, they're, they've been there the whole time. It's all kind of old hat to them because we get a lot of that with, like, the divination stuff and that ambiguity. So if Harry had had that where it's like, you know, was it his dad that like the the uncertainty yeah. of that or if he's being crazy and isn't really sure how to navigate that. But it is it is like 
you know, wrapped up in 10 pages. Um, but I, I still thought it was very, like very emotional. Oh, it's him. a fantastic scene. I think like, like I, I was, I was pretty moved by the part afterwards where he's like, has the Patronus like walk back to him and stuff like, yeah, realizes what's going on. Like, but like then that. it also, yeah, it's, and then it's also kind of immediately undermined with that horrible line about how he knew he could do it. Cause he'd already, <laughs> he'd done, already it. done it. And See, it's, it's so sad. Cause it was so cool. And I'm just, that takes me out of it immediately. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and also I think that this being the conclusion of Hermione's arc is a little bit disappointing because I really liked her throughout the whole book. And I sure feel like it did turn out that she was just right the whole time. Yeah, um, that's, that, that is a. It didn't really go anywhere other than, other than to be the final puzzle piece to yeah. get serious to escape. It just is uh, too bad, I would say. It it underserves her in two ways, right? Because like one, I guess we don't really get to see her grow or or learn in a way that we were kind of hoping she would over the course of this book. With like mm-hmm. her not knowing when to, when to not like say stuff just for the sake of thinking she's right, you know? Yeah, um, and and, I, and I'm starting to wonder is that is this establishing that that's just a character trait of hers because she does it in this chapter as well, where Harry says. You know, I think I might have seen my dad. And she says, Harry, your dad's dead. I'm so surprised that, like, Harry doesn't have more to say about that. Like, y- y- yeah, I fucking know. Like, <laughs> like yes, that's the point, Hermione. Um, uh, that that part was very strange. Um, but yeah, she's just sort of, like, absolved of all of that stuff because she was basically right about everything. And also, on the flip side... Um, much like in Chamber of Secrets, she just exists to solve Harry's problem, basically. Yes. Like, her her story is kind of shunted to the side, and, like, surprise, it has existed all this time, so we can do what Harry needs to do. Which is, like, that's a a bummer in its own way. Like, it's... From neither angle does she get the, the, like, development that I would, was hoping she would. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Also, I'm I'm kind of laughing at the continuation of the, and this isn't really a criticism, but the continuation of, um, like in the first book, the like kids were separated by the trials. In the second book, like Hermione was petrified, and in this one, Ron had to be <laughs> Ron, in the hospital. Ron's so it's like always broken. some always someone is uh in trouble for the. I guess this isn't like the true climax of the book, right? <laughs> well, like to we be already. Fair. To be fair, we've we've just come out of three chapters of Shrieking Shack where we uh where we found out how how J.K. Rowling writes like more than three characters at a time, and it might have been a fucking disaster if they had had to all be there for the time travel. They just all they just all get their paragraph of something to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I I still I'm still a fan of this chapter. I don't think it was executed that well. Um, but I but I like the idea of it. Um, should we talk about time a little bit? I know we're, I know we we have we have taken up a lot of time hey. in this episode. But I will say that you found this 
Harry Potter wiki article that is just entitled Time and it's extremely funny. Yes, yes, please. Let's let's learn all about I'm just, time. I'm just going to read the intro because it says time is the magic that allows to sequence events from the past through the present into the future to compare their durations and the intervals between them and to quantify the speeds at which objects move and things change. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Harry Potter wiki. It's... Yeah, so I mean, time turners are a bit of a a bit of a hotbed and issue just because we saw the way time travel worked in this book. It's pretty cut and dry. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, um, and it isn't explicit that you can only go back uh, a couple hours. But the extended lore is that all of the time turners that the Ministry has are like they have an hour reversal charm on them. And there are two true time turners that are similar to like the invisibility cloak being like the only true invisibility cloak and all the other ones don't work as well. And the true time turners are what Delphine, no, not Delphine, um, Bellatrix used to travel back in time and have a baby with Voldemort. And that is, and that is the plot of Cursed Child. So I can only assume that Cursed Child has to use multiple timelines, like totally different model of time travel. I, I think that's why people hate it so much is that it, it like suddenly turns it into like a timeline altering story i can't wait to get the cursed child which actually i love okay i'm i'm gonna be a cursed child fan i can already tell because i love the idea that the fake ministry time turners have this like bullshit time travel where you can't actually change anything and that the real ones are are multiple timelines i know that aspect i like i'm the, so into that there's there's I think I think you might have mentioned this already, but like there's there's an aspect of all this that I do really love that I I'm not sure and maybe maybe Cursed Child will get into this or something, but the the idea that like the the like the bumbling wizard government has access to all this crazy cool stuff but can only envision a world that is basically the same as the Muggle world, just with like <laughs> a few conveniences. Like there's a story there, right? Like mm-hmm. Like, this is the, like, this is the end of history, like, no one can envision a world without, like, capitalism thing, which I really like that as a story idea, like. Yeah, it's like everyone can teleport so they get to work faster. Yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone can teleport so they get to work faster, you can go back in time to do more work, Uh, like, like, all these, like, you know, ideas are really fascinating and cool, and I'm. I guess we'll find out, but I'm not sure that that is a intentional on JK's part and B, um, you know, whether we get any more of that kind of thing, but I do really like that idea. Like, like you have, you have the craziest, most magical gifts in the world and all you do with it is more of the same. Yeah. It could be cool. Yeah. It could be cool. (laughs) Harry Potter could be cool. (laughs) <laughs> um, let's talk about the rest of this chapter because there's some stuff that I do really like here outside of the time travel stuff. Sure. Um, I like Snape here a lot. Um, oh he yeah. Is, he is he is back in full on vamp mode. Um, oh, I love him. Uh, he is he is being a sleazy grease ball with the with the with the minister because he's so excited that he's going to get the Order of Merlin and he's like 
you know, telling you know, he's he's gaslighting Harry and Hermione and Ron with like this, like, oh, you must be confounded, uh, like, <laughs> like, oh, darn, like, guess we can't listen to anything <laughs> they say. It's so good. Oh, um, he's excellent. He is such a bitch. I love it. Um, and I like fudge here you know just being like the passive government guy like you were saying before about how how funny it was that fudge just keeps on showing up at like random like for the for the smallest stuff like like him just showing up here like oh i heard that i heard that serious blacks here do 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 here i am at school (laughs) um uh like here he is to also take credit for this thing um i like that a lot um there's some really good like for for as baffling as some of the time travel stuff is i think that it does ultimately provide a really satisfying ending to some of this stuff like i i it it is very funny and and satisfying when when snape like because like snape is right you know like he 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 knows that something's up but like everyone's just like well well, the door was locked so yeah he yep guess he guess he climbed out uh it's it's very good um snape is written in a in a very funny way i just i will say i will point out that um in all of these scenes all of like the descriptors for the way he's talking have changed from like being very menacing to him shrieking and like i I remember reading shrieking a lot um he he's supposed to sound like the very shrill unreasonable queer coded character just i guess this does get into a little bit of like stuff we were talking about way back in the first book with like the queer coding stuff like like i guess i'm even doing it a little bit by saying like oh i love what a petty bitch he's being and like like i I do but also yeah i mean i love snape i feel like i've made that very clear this episode (laughs) um (laughs) but but yeah i I just think that it's probably worth worth pointing out that that's that is yeah. something that's going on and it's it's pretty pretty there. It's 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 keep in mind that this is also the book where we have seen Snape appear in Bogart form like wearing a dress like so yeah. As much as I enjoy this part of his portrayal um as sort of like a flip side to his more like calm collected and like mysterious side like it does also lean a little heavily into into it like like this is a this is kind of like a i don't know like which direction you want to take it like either it's like like a a like over emotional gay man uh thing or like oh he's acting like a woman like like there's there's yeah, there's a lot of ways to that you can take it and none of them are good yes um he's he's still he remains like fun to read and i and i guess like the part that i was um like i think that if he in his like the way it's written, I think I'm supposed to feel like he's unreasonable. He's honestly pretty. Like, if you zoom he's out right. from the things that are happening, like I would say, like it sounds probably more likely that he would be right here. You know, yeah, like I, you yeah. you bust you burst in on three teenagers, one with a broken leg, even though you might hate your old schoolboy like enemy, like from your perspective they murdered 13 people and you have a bunch of kids be like no wait we should listen to what ted bundy has to say (laughs) right yeah yeah totally (laughs) 
no. <laughs> yeah, or and I mean, this is a thing that's been kind of a, a tragic arc for Snape in general is that he's often not wrong. Like him in I can't remember if it was in this book or in book two, but this this thing he keeps on bringing up is like Harry thinks he's better than everyone else. Harry thinks he's above the rules. Harry thinks that like you know like oh just because you know like i want to go to hogsmeade like like doesn't matter that all the all the school is like looking out for my my safety or whatever like i'm above that and like he's not snape's not wrong in that analysis really Mm -hmm. yeah and and like i understand that we're supposed to kind of uh, like laugh at him being a little bit big-headed and being interested in getting the award and all of these things and um but dumbledore is also kind of like openly mocking him in front of his students later which is a little bit rude um yeah so, so I don't know. I, I think that I, I like a reading of this book that is sympathetic towards Snape. And I think that there is a valid reading of that. I'm sympathetic towards him just because like, because of that, that, that stuff, right? Where it's like, like, from Harry's perspective, I totally understand he's the villain. But like, from like a more macro perspective, like, Snape is often not wrong. Like, like, he... You know, of course, it all eventually comes down to like, well, he just really loved Harry's mom, and that's fucked up and sucks. Um, but if we just forget that that's forget that that's I'm, coming, okay, I'll forget it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> if we can just if we can just pretend that that doesn't happen, and we're just like looking at it from like this book and the previous two books, like like Snape is kind of like a one of those characters where like. I I would much prefer if it was like a character that like Harry would look back on after school and be like, you know what? Like Snape had my best interests at heart, even if he was a jerk, like because he does. He saves him in the first book. He, you know, he uh, saves him or at least thinks he's saving him here. Like, obviously, it's almost it's a little weird that like there's we didn't talk about this back in the chapter where it happened but i think it's worth bringing up here because there's there's one thing i really don't like about what this book does to snape's character hmm. and it's when he is tapping the marauder's map uh-huh. to, to try to get it to open and he says severus snape master of this school demands that <laughs> um i forgot about that i did too until just now like thinking about like you know snape's presentation in this chapter god does and he really say that he does he says master of this school um which i think sucks because i think like like snape's machinations have always just been he really wants to teach defense against the dark arts we've never really had a, an inkling that he like literally is power crazy and wants to rule the school no and and that suddenly becomes a thing here and like there's there's maybe he means potions master <laughs> no he just says he says master of maybe this school maybe that's just shorthand maybe that's like his title <laughs> that's how, that's... i mean i guess like it could be right like he's master snape nice i guess so then i think he would have said master at this school right like like i am a master yeah. at this school yeah um it's just a it's 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 one line but it's a real bummer because it, it sets up that, that makes him a more of a villain than I think he needs to be, like as an like an, an objective villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this book isn't at all invested in making Snape out to be a villain because it it doesn't matter, right? Like he doesn't have to. Uh, in previous books, there was an investment 
for the plot to think that Snape might be literally evil. Right, like, especially in the first one. Yeah, I mean, huge in the first one, slightly less so in the second one, but it was still setting up Slytherin as being evil, right? Right. Um, and this one, it's it's just like in service of the development of the Marauder story, um, mm-hmm. which I am now even less clear about what I'm supposed to take away from that, <laughs> especially with Sirius drawing the parallel between Pettigrew hanging out with the biggest bullies in the school, the consistent minimizing of like all the characters that we're supposed to like about the prank that was played on Snape that was going to kill him. Uh-huh. Um it's just I I guess I I'm unsure if I'm just supposed to take all this at face value and I have to assume that I am. Here's the other thing about that. I forgot to bring this up when we were talking about the shrieking shack chapter. <laughs> um not only if 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 that goes unretconned or whatever and that was actually James's plan uh-huh. uh to to uh get get Snape in a room with werewolf Lupin. It was Sirius's plan, and James heard about oh, it. Oh, sorry, and Sirius. Him. Yes, yeah. sorry. If that was Sirius's plan, um, right? If, if it was Sirius's plan, why isn't Lupin's response? Uh, you were gonna make me into a murderer against my fucking will. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. That doesn't come up at all, right? Like, I don't. Like, maybe, uh, maybe that's what we get in our Marauders television show. Is, is there okay, that maybe conflict. maybe they like maybe that's put like that, that is a conflict them. that has been resolved off screen but okay. um but and honestly like from the again i don't I, I don't mean to bring this up again where it's like from snape's perspective like of course harry ron and hermione are confunded because if you look at like the track that his life took like sirius tried to kill him in school and then became a serial killer right, right. Uh, yeah yeah no that's not an unfair read at all like like snape snape is living in a world where as far as he knows his bully could have well been like a school shooter or something right like like yeah like i don't blame him and that makes it almost more of a bummer that he is is being reduced to such a cartoon villain in front of our eyes here yeah it's complicated because like it's like on the flip side on the flip side i do really like these scenes with him and i think they're funny and i i i like his silly blow up you know in the sense that like i appreciate him not being like one-dimensional mysterious man anymore i like that he has been rattled in this book in a way Mm -hmm. that he hasn't before like i think that's fun to see yeah um i also think he's what's... going to develop into being having more of an explosive personality which for yes. like good or ill i don't know yet but like he he does he doesn't have a like he has a temper yeah um so yeah so that so that stuff like combined with the the kind of unfortunate coding of his character here it's it's one of those things where it's like i like it uh, almost almost the same as the time travel stuff honestly like i like it here um i'm worried about where it's going or not going you know yes um i also kind of uh, and this is uh, like i guess like the two teachers that are have like provided tension in this book have been snape and trelawney and i think that they kind of have an interesting parallel because it's like nobody believes trelawney and she's like technically right about everything. And for Snape, he's technically wrong, but there's no reason for him to think that he is. Yes. They, they seem to be kind of like 
two sides of the same coin in that way where they're not uh-huh. they're not like necessarily doing something good or like objectively correct but it's kind of but they are, are like redeemed in their own own way by either being right to like Trelawney, like technically speaking, uh-huh. or Snape, who there's like really no reason to expect him to act any differently. Yeah. Well, and Snape is almost like the opposite of Hermione's situation, too, uh, in a way that makes me frustrated again that like Hermione's arc didn't conclude in a more satisfying way. Cause like Hermione is right for the wrong or Hermione is constantly right for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. uh, uh, or, 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 you know, wanting to be right. And so is Snape. Um, the difference is that like Snape doesn't know better and Hermione should know better. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot to Snape as a character that I love and, and want to, I think I'm feeling so emotional about this specifically because I feel, and maybe maybe this is dramatic, but I feel like this might be the last good Snape book. No. Um, what about the cool moment where he like shows his cool tattoo and is going to go be a spy? That's that's going to be badass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe maybe he gets some cool shit in four. I guess he's he's a lot in five, right? He is five Occlumency is six is or is that six? Five, that's that's five. Um, so maybe we'll get some more cool stuff, but I feel like this is all, this is like, I'm saying goodbye to like what I like about Snape at the end of yeah, this book. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll I see. Hope I hope not. But I but think, that's he, I think he has his moments going forward. I think that, I think that the whole thing, if I had to make a prediction becomes a little bit self-serious and then we lose some of those. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Um, we still life have debt? another chapter. We, oh. we do. We also have life debt. Did is that in this chapter? Or mm, no, it's it's not. I think it is an owl post again. I think you're right. Yeah, because we get I think we get Dumbledore. Yeah, we get the Dumbledore explains the plot. Woo! Uh, shall All I? Right, yeah, let's shall let, I take yeah, us away. Take us away. Okay, this is chapter twenty-two. It's called Owl Post again. If you remember, the first chapter was called Owl Post. Damn, it's true. Hermione and Harry they get back in time, and Dumbledore's hey. happy that they completed his quest. Snape is super pissed. I guess we talked a little bit about this. Chapter. I guess we've I guess we've kind of crossed over here a little bit, but yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll go into it. He's super pissed. He's he's yelling and screaming about not getting this order of Merlin. He goes and he accuses Harry and Hermione of doing something to help Sirius escape, but he can't prove it. And Dumbledore makes a joke at him where he's like, "How could they be at two places at once?" I'm editorializing a lot here. I'm going to try to stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ron wakes up in the hospital. Hermione and Harry say they'll explain everything to him and it and then it fades away to another scene. We see Hagrid who's super happy that Buckbeak escaped and he's uh it's just like a kind of nice conclusion of of that where he's whistling and is super happy and thinks that he must not have tied Buckbeak uh to the the tether well enough and he must have pulled himself free cuz he's so smart. So we get to see Hagrid be happy about that. But unfortunately Hagrid also drops that that lupin had to resign because snape quote-unquote accidentally let slip that he was a werewolf and there was no way that the board of governors would let him teach at the school anymore so harry goes to see lupin and talks to him and the two things we kind of get from that are lupin congratulating him about about doing the patronus and he heard it was really great and then also confirms that prongs was uh james and that was his animagus form after lupin leaves and he kind of explains like i can't i can't let that i can't 
teach here because I should have taken my potion and I can't let that happen again. And also no one will let me teach anymore. So kind of a double, double reason there. Lupin leaves and Dumbledore shows up, I think. And Harry expresses that he's sad that everything was pointless. Peter Pettigrew got away and he has to go live with the Dursleys and nothing that they did mattered. And Dumbledore says, well, you can't, you can't say that because two like Sirius was innocent and you saved him, which is worth it. Um, also Peter Pettigrew owes you a life debt now. Um, Harry tells Dumbledore about the prediction that Trelawney made in front of him and says, like, do you think it was real? And Dumbledore sit kind of makes a joke and says, Oh yeah, that'll bring her real predictions up to two. So that kind of confirms that, that what that was, was, was real. Um, and then he also says, uh, Harry admits to him that he thought he saw his dad across the lake, but it was really him. And so Dumbledore says the dead never truly leave us. They live in us and blah, blah, blah. Um, Snape, we also get a scene where we see that Snape and Draco are super sad and mad that Sirius and Buckbeak escaped respectively. Um, it's time to leave on the train. Hermione says that she dropped a class because it was, it was too much and she was tired out from all the time travel. Ron says that he'll call Harry over the summer about the Quidditch World Cup. Then and a tiny little owl arrives and Sirius has sent a letter. And I hope I don't forget any of the things that he said in the letter. Um, he says, one, he's going to let muggles see him far away from Hogwarts so the Dementors don't have to be at Hogwarts anymore. So wraps that one up. Um, he also said that he sent the firebolt and said that he, um, to consider it 13 years worth of birthday presents. And he also says that he was sorry that he scared Harry at the, um, I don't remember where that was. Oh, at the Dursley's house, um, right before he gets on the night bus at the beginning of the book. And then he also gives the owl to Ron. So that's Pigwidgeon. And then also included in the letter is a permission form from Sirius Black saying that Harry can go to Hogsmeade next year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and, and Harry thinks to himself, well, surely Dumbledore will accept a, you know, a permission slip from my godfather. And then the last scene that we get is Harry reuniting with Vernon and threatening him by saying that his godfather is a convict and will come and kill him. That's the end of the book. We did it. <laughs> we finished the book. We finished Yay! the book. Okay, um, I want to talk about this fucking life debt thing. All right, go um, for it. And 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 in general, the Peter Pettigrew story. Sure. So so they save Sirius and Buckbeak. That's great. Um, but Peter gets away. Oh no. Um, here's what I don't like about this. Okay. Uh, the the prediction Harry like Harry immediately re realizes that Pettigrew is the servant of Voldemort. Right. Like 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 he's. He has heard the prediction Voldemort will come back. And I guess that this is just getting into like the whole determinist fate thing again, because um, they chose to save Sirius and Buckbeak and let Peter get away. Peter was going to get away no matter what, because there was a prophecy about it. Right. That I find very frustrating and hard to believe because there were so many opportunities to not only you know for any of the characters to to deal with Peter, but also for like 
as Harry was pointing out when they were hiding in that bush, like things they could have done that would have also probably prevented him from escaping. Right. Like they had many, many, many opportunities. Sure. Um, and like, I, so there's, there's the one side of the story that we, you know, that we talked about a lot earlier, which is that like, obviously it would have been psycho and, and, and bad for them to just kill Peter Pettigrew in front of a bunch of kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, their plan to like trade him for Sirius's freedom. Like I, I like that compromise. Um, the problem I have with this is that this is sort of like the guilt Harry has about letting Peter get away has nothing to do with like, like a moral stance on like murder right (laughs) it's it's dumbledore saying don't worry he owes you one um and it's it's this weird thing where like it it commodifies mercy i guess yeah in a way that i think sucks i think there's a definite like because the conundrum is that like like honestly like like if it had if there had been any other opportunity to do it or or whatever i'm not against someone killing peter Pettigrew because i mean he he is like he is he is essentially hitler's right hand man right like he is uh he is he is i mean (laughs) they they hammer that point in real fucking hard later when he has his magic arm right like like he is he is literally like the right hand of the devil here he is he is he is unabashedly evil he sold out his friends he he and he is going to serve wizard hitler so if anyone wants to put a bullet between his eyes he's gonna go and bring wizard hitler back to life yeah, he's going to bring like like and Harry knows this because he a, a has seen the prophecy <laughs> and B now knows that time is linear completely, right? Like like has seen how time travel works and is deterministic. Like like he has cold hard evidence that this is going to happen now. And I feel like there's an opportunity to get into a more interesting conundrum in the story which is like it is fundamentally it is good to be merciful, right? On sure. the other hand, you have also we have also just let uh the literal like we have let Goebbels escape. Um, <laughs> At least you know, he owes like, you one. But right. And so commodifying in that in that way where it's like uh the way wizard law works is that like if 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 you if you if you save someone's life they have to they have to pay you back like that that is so much less interesting as a conflict than like like well yeah he probably should die but like could you have done it like could you kill a man thing like that's a a much different and much more interesting story i think than than like no it's cool you let him get away so that means that like you know you can just call in a favor at any point like and that's that sucks (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely a moral lesson that feels like it falls flat. Um, I'm definitely um, on in the camp of like, I don't think it would have been bad if Peter Pettigrew was killed. Um, so I, I feel like th- this is like a um, kind of like a value that goes 
un, like uncritically remarked upon that like it is it's good that he got away and also he owes you one <laughs> right like it, it's it, it's not like like my my issue with the way that lupin and, and sirius were behaving in the shrieking shack chapters wasn't that they wanted to kill Pettigrew. it was the verve with which they wanted to kill him in front of 13 year olds yeah Um, like the best moment i think that sirius has in this book is when they are arguing um and Pettigrew is trying to get out of being killed but the way he's doing it he is finally fessed up to having served voldemort and he he go his new tactic is he starts saying like well he's taking over what would you do like I I would have died, and and the best moment that Sirius has is when he says to him, because uh, Pettigrew says, "What was to be gained by refusing him?" And Sirius says, "What was there to be gained by fighting the most evil wizard who has ever existed? Only innocent lives, Peter." Yeah, that's like his his best his best stuff in this book. Because I'm like totally. Yep. <laughs> uh, so so I don't know. I it, it feels like this just kind of undermines that to me. Yeah, I yeah, like it's it's again, it's it's not that I think it's it, it, like I, I'm not even against the idea of him escaping as a part of the plot, right? It's specifically the way that the the lesson comes down from Dumbledore to Harry is that like, well, he might owe you one. Not like I totally sympathize that you could not bear to see a man die, you know? Like I think the other thing is like regardless Dumbledore... of whether he should or not, you know, like Dumbledore takes what Harry says in a really weird way because what Harry says is like it was all pointless and when I read that I was like that is a 13 year old's perspective on it because nothing for him has changed right Right. like that is like uh teenagers and you know kids they they don't quite understand like the gravity of of other people's lives I guess a lot Mm -hmm. of the time um Mm -hmm. not, not trying to insult them it's just like a brain that's part thing. of growing up. that's that's part of growing up i can remember feeling that way um and and not like nothing like harry's having this realization like i have to go back to the dursleys nothing changed for me and dumbledore says he he starts he's like well an innocent life was saved but then he immediately pivots into this weird life debt thing um <laughs> that i I just I don't know why the life debts have to be in this book. Like I, I, I also ha- just I can't like hear it. life debt without thinking of fucking Jar Jar. Oh God! Like, 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 oh, he owes you a life debt, and all I can think of is Qui Gon Jinn and Jar Jar. Like, like, yeah. So on the on the um, Harry Potter wiki um, for life debts, um, there are the two that are known that are listed, which are this one, the Peter Pettigrew Harry Potter one, and then another one, which I actually didn't remember being explicit in the books, but I guess Snape owed James a life debt for saving him from Sirius. Um, And in in the trivia and notes section, J.K. Rowling has confirmed that Ginny does not owe Harry Potter a life debt for saving her from the basilisk. And my only my question one, why not? And question two is actually not a question two. It's actually an answer, which is that would be fucking creepy and weird. And she clearly didn't yeah. think about it. it. It's so obviously I like, oops, I didn't think about this. Also, like, you shouldn't owe someone a life debt if they save you. That's a fucked up concept. And I don't know why it's in this book. I don't know it's, why it's in yeah. it. And it's like ancient magic. That's the whole thing. Because it's like 
uh, Lily died for Harry and protected protected him with the, the blood wards or whatever. And it's like, it's not a spell. It's ancient magic, which I'm like totally fine with. This, I am not. It's so stupid. And it well, shouldn't be in here. Be- this is stupid because it, it robs the characters of agency, too, because it would mean so much more if it's like, it, like, if we look at the ones that exist in the book, like, what if, and maybe this is what happens, I actually don't remember, but like, it doesn't matter, I guess, because it is a deterministic, it is a life threat thing. But like, if Peter realized that he's only alive because Harry let him get away, uh, and then like, has a last minute change of heart in some big scene, right? Or Snape like begrudgingly helping james because he like you know did save his life uh or you know Ginny feeling like a, uh you know a strong connection to harry because he saved her life like these are all things that are like interesting looks into how characters view the world but because we now know that it is like a weird magical bond that like exists and is like natural law it just makes it fucking bizarre uh, yeah i am not more invested because characters are compelled to do things because of magic yeah it's utterly meaningless it yeah it 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 takes away from everything it means it means because like if you if you think about the Snape thing, it means it like it means that like if it wasn't magical, if it was just like Snape like r- you know, realizing that deep down as much as he might hate James, like he still feels obligated to help him or whatever because sure. he's, you know because I, I a because he's helped him in the past or b because well he's still a person like I'm I'm not that cruel like like there are are interesting takes on the characters that we are robbed of because life debt is a like proper noun in the story yeah it's it seems i i think that this is going to probably be more of a problem going forward and this might be like kind of our first taste of it and it's that things are put in the story not because they like serve the story or the characters but as pieces to a puzzle that will yes. be used later. It's like it's like cashing it. Like Harry will cash in his life debt. I actually don't know if he does. I can't remember at all. This, but... this just makes me realize and remember that the Department of Mysteries is coming up. Right. It's like it's like Harry Harry Potter got life debt in his inventory, um, <laughs> and right. it's just not interesting. Right. And it's just kind of so a that's, bummer. That's that's so. that's my life debt take. Uh, I agree. It's 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 a bungling of a pretty interesting story thing i like lupin's last scene it's almost like it's almost like we we get to forget that he was acting like a complete psychopath two chapters ago Uh, yeah that that was nice i i feel bad for him i do Um, too he probably should have taken his potion though he probably should have taken his potion. If only someone could have gone back in time and told him to take that potion. Absolutely but. not. But they didn't. So they can't. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the scene was pretty good. Um, it was nice to get one more like one on one with Harry. Yeah, like, I mean, this is just a whole a whole series of wrap ups for everyone. I'm also glad we got to see Hagrid being happy that yeah. Buckbeak escaped, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um. It's like, like I'm just kind of like going down the list of like what's wrapped up here. There's um, the letter. I, there's the well. I, I was gonna say the the one last thing, just the, an addendum to the Snape conversation is I do like. It's another case of like Snape 
being petty but also not wrong uh the the him like accidentally slipping that lupin's a werewolf at breakfast or whatever is a very funny uh resolution to that whole scenario oh yeah it was very, it was pretty mean but also like he, he is a werewolf and he did forget to take a potion so oops yeah i kind of um, read it i kind of read it like i i uh i think there's like the he deliberately did it or he was so mad that it did kind of slip out I oh mean, maybe that's true i could I, see that because we, I we did see him lose his temper so maybe maybe he's just still in that mode so i guess we can't like definitely ascribe malice to it but mm-hmm. uh but i guess the main thing here is the letter um yep. Sirius sends a letter to tie up even more loose ends that i was not uh, wondering about i was not wondering no. about any of these things <laughs> Uh, I love that that's how he just opens the letter. He like, oh, like, dear Harry, here is how I am going to make sure the security is lifted on the castle. Like, here I is can't, how I would have, you know, if the Dementors didn't, you know, come back, I would not have won. I would not. They for already a... explained it, though. Because Dumbledore was like, yeah, because Dumbledore was oh, like, yeah. Hey, and like Fudge is like, yeah, yeah. Like after this fiasco, like we'll have dragons. Like, and he says Hagrid would like that. Clear it up. I don't need more. Yep. Yeah. Um, So, so like, one, Sirius is wrapping up something that does not need to be wrapped up. Um, Then he explains how he mind-melded with a cat to to get him to buy a fucking broom out of a catalog. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. All I remembered was that he said that he bought the broom. Um, Yeah, he explains the exact method that he went to get money out of the bank. With a cat? With the cat. To buy the broom with a catalog, it, it's just like I. <laughs> I guess they needed to make it explicit that he got Harry the broom. Also got the the Hermione line where she says, "See, I was right." That was the that was the thing where I was just like, "Of course, Hermione is absolved of of any like anything at all in this book because she was she was right all the, the right whole time about everything." I. I really wish that this had just been like a nice heartfelt letter to Harry that ended with like, P.S. I got you the firebolt or something as like a stinger. Yeah, I like the permission slip thing. The permission slip thing has been one of my favorite elements of this whole story. Yeah, I think that is really cute. I thought that was really sweet. And I I just love that his his reaction is like, well, that'll be good enough for Dumbledore. Like, which is true. It's a very it's a very storybook like wink, wink ending that I like. Uh, yeah i mean it does keep going so we get the vernon scene why i don't know but we do yeah harry harry threatening vernon with murder like he did in the first book again is a nice callback, a, good retur- I guess. a good return to form thank you harry <laughs> um but we do get introduced to the most important character in the series pigwidgeon oh yeah i love pigwidgeon i love i love he's a little owl he can barely hold the letter and he's nipping at ron's hands i think that's cute that is cute um but yeah, it, it I'm f- I feel like I've run a marathon only because like we've gotten basically three chapters in a row of wrap up of like mystery wrap up. Yes. Um and some things and... we didn't need wrapped up. Also, like we did Sirius did not explain how he bought Pigwidgeon. So, uh plot hole. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. Let me get how cinema sense on that on the phone. God. How do we how did he do it? <laughs> Now I'll never, now I'm, I'm never going to. I just don't buy it anymore. 
Not yeah, everything's out the not window. buying it. <laughs> not buying it because I don't know how serious bought it. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's th- that's the book we've done with book three. Yeah, we did it. Do you have anything else to say about about the end or 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 uh, are we are we ready to put this to bed? No, it it was really just like here's here's the explanation of the stuff that happened. Yeah. Also, oh, Gryffindor won the the house cup. Oh, good. Yay. I forgot to mention that because it doesn't matter at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who cares? But yeah, I think overall, like, we, you know, I think we've had a lot to say and, like, a lot to complain about in these last chapters. But I do want to stress that this is so much better than Chamber of Secrets, even with all this stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I think that, like, it sure, they sure... We sure have like established a deterministic universe at the end of this book for no reason. Um, and we are about to go right into, I guess not because we have Goblet of Fire. Never mind. I was going to say we're almost to the point where this is just a big story about a prophecy. Um, now, one this, more book before that. We've got one more book before that. Um, this The fourth book is about sports. Um, so I'm very tired. We did it, though. <laughs> This one we was did good. It. I liked it. It was a it was a good book. I liked it. I have a. It was almost one of these. I mean, this is a cliche cliche thing to say, but I I think I had more to say, and like pick apart at the end of this book than Chamber, because it's so much better elsewhere. Yes, you know, like yep. I I'm I'm more because I'm much more invested in this book than I was the last one. Um, it might sound like I had like as much or even more stuff to complain about, but it's it's more to do with just like I care about this book more and I enjoyed it a lot more. And so I think this stuff sticks out a little more. I think that the emotional core of this book is really strong. Um, Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know what it is about um, these like stories um, that always get to me. And it, this one kind of reminds me of. Um, did you ever watch the direct to VHS sequels to the disney movie aladdin i've seen aladdin too i've not seen all well of them. okay so the third one was about aladdin meeting his dad who he thought was dead and his dad was the the um the king of thieves the 40 thieves and he was mm-hmm. on a he was on a quest to uh like find a an artifact of some kind and so aladdin was like a little bit disappointed that his dad was like a big time criminal but then they they got along and all that stuff so i don't know what it is about like the story of like somebody who thinks they don't have a father figure because their dad's dead like meeting their father or father figure who was a criminal that gets to me that's like very emotional and and, and but like this for some reason like hits those same like those story points as, mm-hmm. as the the Aladdin movie to me. So I I just really like a good rogue with a heart of gold story. Um, who's also and, your dad? Who is who is also <laughs> your godfather? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I'm 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 just a fan of that kind of thing in general. So I like Sirius a lot. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I like this is a very emotional book. And um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that got to me in, here. And but I think I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you like one specific scene. I think it's more just like the the mood of this book so accurately captures like like 
being gloomy as a teenager growing up Mm -hmm. Um, and like worrying about stuff like like a constant worry of like both like like very real school pressures uh and like you know like the like the quidditch world cup or not not the world cup the quidditch you know the house cup and the the you know exams and classes and also worrying about ridiculous stuff like oh my god there's a serial killer dog out to kill me uh and there i'm seeing omens everywhere that just is like it captures that like childhood drama of like growing up and getting moody and emotional really well Mm -hmm. um uh and i i really really like that um i still i still like very much connected with that um i like stories that that like feature one mundane thing and then one very uh like extravagant thing like mm-hmm. in 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 tandem like persona 3 the game is is another one like that where it's like well like you know you've got to solve the mystery of what's going on in this giant tower and 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 like if you don't do this like the whole world's gonna die but also you've gotta be you gotta do well in school gotta be good like, at math just, gotta get those guys get your math grade up yeah and like i i just like that kind of thing a lot um yeah i i uh, like harry's I, character and how he dealt with those pressures they felt very like like very real his his you know uh killers after me but i really want to go to the i really want to go to the village with my friends yeah harry's character in general is just such an impressive leap after he was not a character at all in the second book yes uh if he was any character moments that he had i hated in the second book uh-huh. Um, and even when he was making the wrong decision in this book, I still liked him and 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 enjoyed him as the point of view character. Absolutely, yeah, uh, he was like compelling and realistic here. And the Hermione and Ron conflict was very good until it went nowhere. Yeah, I'm bummed about that. But like up until that, I thought that was a really great, uh, like like I don't know, just like thinking about their class and thinking about like like their relationship and stuff. Yeah, I I. That that was not something I expected. I had completely forgotten about that conflict, and I guess I, I guess I mostly forgot about it because it eventually goes nowhere. But at least it existed for a bit. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I'm sure we're gonna There's get the return we of too. we're gonna get the return of jealous Ron in the next book. Um, Ugh, so. Sure are. We'll see. Well, um, so I guess thank you everyone for listening uh, and and reading four chapters this week. <laughs> uh, so our next episode, I guess, is gonna be the movie for ask bands so yeah no reading yeah. this week yeah uh, we'll uh probably do a little bit of movie maybe a little bit of game maybe a little book club we'll see yeah yeah ps2 i have the ps2 game it is very funny God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what style um, of game is that like what, uh, what what did they go for it's kind of the same thing as the first two but Great. like a little more fleshed out good those are my uh, favorite when we get to Goblet of Fire is when we're, it's going to get real nuts is when uh, that's when we get to like bad co-op beat em up territory. Fun. Um, I think this might have co-op, actually. So maybe maybe we should plan to watch the movie and play a little of a game or something. Sure. But, uh, until then, our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. You can check them out on Bandcamp. Huge thanks to them for letting us use that as our theme song. You can find us on Patreon. Uh, If you subscribe, we have bonus episodes. We have more of those coming, too. 
Uh, and um, you also get to listen to the main episodes early. Um, and if you like the show, you can always leave us a review on iTunes. We certainly appreciate that. We've been slowly building up buzz on, on Twitter and iTunes reviews and stuff. It's been really great. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much to all of our listeners. And like I said, uh, you don't have to read any chapters this week. So make use of that time and please read another book. Please read another book. If you go into the dream, but there's a lady there, makes ocean raw seem tame. Better know what you're after if you catch a eye. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.